0: Right, welcome to another edition of the 50 Years of Chelsea series, which uh, me and the wonderful denizens of the Chelsea fan cast have been absolutely loving doing uh, pretty much since we started, uh, which was really coinciding with the with the lockdown when we needed something else to do. It's not as if we didn't do enough already. We thought we'd give ourselves some more work, but there you go. Um, now, tonight, uh, you'll be amazed to to know if you were listening last week, we are now doing... Uh, the season which was 1989-1990, when uh, Chelsea were hoping to consolidate their, their time in Division 1, having returned for the uh, their the, the first season back after being relegated the season before last. So there you go. Now, as always, I've got with me Mr Jonathan Kidd. Hurrah! Lovely to be on again
2: while I'm drinking my tea. I got the timing wrong there. I just gulped just as you introduced me. Yeah, but so I could so-
0: have like, been watching to see if you were about to take a sip and then very cruelly... I do that. I do do that. You know I do. Yeah,
2: I know. I know. You have the power, Chidge. You it's have the power. Bit- I know. By the I way, everybody power. at home, Chidge is looking like this This kind of 80s film style or pop style with this mass of thrown-back hair. The
0: Chelsea Perlow, mate. I keep telling yeah, you this. Yeah, he is. I'm going to have a Twitter account.
2: Chelsea Perlow. The Chelsea Perlow.
0: Perlo. If only I could play football half as well as he could. Um, anyway... Uh, now um, I'm really, really delighted to introduce our our next guest, uh, because um, as you know, we've we've been spending the last uh, ten weeks or so doing the '80s, and uh, there is no better person than Mr. Kelvin Barker to talk about Chelsea in the '80s. And of course, you'll remember he he started this all off with us, uh, and he came back for his beloved '83, '84, '84, '85 seasons. And I thought it would be really appropriate as we kind of finally see out the 80s to have Kelvin back to cast his wisdom and fine memory on proceedings. Kelvin, how are you, mate? You well?
3: Yeah, all good, thank you, Trish. How you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm all good. Looking forward to tonight, as you can imagine. Um, now, one of the things that we've we've gotten into recently is having a bit of a fashion review. We like a fashion review of the the beginning of the program. I've discovered this wonderful website called, called Historical Kits, which tells me because well, of course I've got a memory of a goldfish, but it tells me exactly what Chelsea were wearing at any given time. And um, they've got a kind of a it's an interesting kit this week. It's a new kit, uh, the new home kit. It's it's basically a variation on the theme, but it had some quite. I liked it, J.K. I like this kit. You know little kind of patterns on it
2: i love the the red on the lion on the badge i'm not a fan of too
0: much red well, we don't like
2: the Bates lion but other than that other than that but the sprinkling of the red has always um always given a bit of uh, something a je ne sais quoi to the outfit yeah. but i still didn't like the fact that the socks weren't white i you know that yeah. was what i that was what i when i started watching them properly and they had the yeah. that, that traditional modern kit as it was called in 64, because before everybody always had white or black shorts and that was it. But, uh, um, but it was still pretty good. And the little check tops of the socks were, with a little red trim yeah. were, were, were excellent. But yeah, and also he looked, it looked rather nicely embroidered, he looked quite classy. Yeah. Remember, because Two seasons ago we had the something that looked as if your mum had, had rigged up in the uh, for your pajamas um, outfit, which, which had the tightest shorts known to man. And um, <laughs> the ball crushers, the budgie smugglers, do green, Whereas, uh, whereas these were slightly baggier, and um, yeah, the, and it was much classier. So I kept thinking, well, Bates must have a bit more money, but no,
1: no, well, he was hiding oh.
2: the fact that he had any
0: money. More of that later. But uh, money. I agree with you. I love, I love this one of my favourite kits. Actually, this one. Uh, I'm very sad to say we've still got the rugby kit as the uh, the second kit uh you know i'm not a fan of that but the, we had this third kit which we did wear once or twice uh which is the classic all white with a nice v neck like a nice v neck so i'm yeah. a fan of that that third kit as well uh, kelvin you know you you i mean you know we're all too old to really be into to kits uh, of of today but uh, i think we we we're allowed to have a nostalgic wallow in old kits aren't we
3: yeah why not um you know it's funny actually because it's like 30 years ago that, that that shirt now i still remember going and buying that yeah. shirt you know in the days when i used to like to you know wander about in my chelsea colors and i do remember buying that specific shirt from the you know the, the the blue one from this season can't remember if back then it was if we got two seasons out of, out of them or if it was just the one
0: we got two seasons out of the home kit
3: because this, this right. one
0: goes from 89 to 91. So it was for this season and next season. And then they changed right. it slightly again, I think, didn't they? it because
3: yeah, I think around that period, they they were, they were very much, very small variations, weren't they? A few of those shirts now, I mean, if you put them in front of me, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you which season they went to because they were all kind of quite similar around that period.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the next... I mean, I, I always refer to these kits, obviously, as we we do by the the sponsor i always call them the commodore kits obviously and of course the next one's the amiga kit which i always right. remember because of course that's synonymous with 94 and yeah. it's funny isn't it it seems to me that ever since then it's easy to remember the kits because you associate them with being in finals and winning trophies yeah up yeah. until up until i think about you know part, post kind of 2010 where we got we've had so many kits i've just completely i've got a whole load of them sat sat here waiting to be put up in frames but i couldn't tell you what bloody season they were from because they came so thick and fast but there you go yeah um jonathan uh mentioned this actually kind of slyly that we you know this season rumbling around in the background still is the you know, precarious financial uh, nature of the club. You know, we—I'm we, not—I can't quite remember the the whole Marla estates and all that malarkey. And they haven't started CPO yet, so that's still kicking around in the background, isn't it, Kel?
3: Yeah, I, I've got to be honest, I don't remember a great deal um, about that. I mean, I know it, it went on for a few years from the oh, what was it? Probably from the mid '80s, wasn't it? Save the bridge was around about '87, and I know it rumbled on into the, about the mid-90s, didn't it? Um, yeah. When Bates finally started being able to do what he wanted with the ground. Um, I think about this period as sort of being slap bang in the middle of that, where it was just all all sorts of stories. And, you know, we didn't really know how it was going to be settled, when it was going to be settled. But it was a lot going on in the background, it's probably fair to say.
2: Yeah. Didn't he put in planning permission for um, the Chelsea Village in the, in the middle of this season? He so did.
0: He, he did. The Bates Motel.
2: Yeah, he must have had something going on financially. I mean, he was a canny man, you know. I mean, mm. uh, we never knew how much he was worth, did we? I, 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 whether it was other people's money. He seemed to be very good at that. He was always surrounded by his vice presidents, and there were about 30 of them. And whether they contributed, I don't know. They felt that they had a um, a status. They were the first people to go to away games in the uh, director's box. I don't think they would... They weren't directors, but they, they were clearly... Um, uh they had they first to the to the best tickets whether that gave you the the access perhaps you were paying you were being one of his mates and and financing projects just, just so that you could ultimately be part of the setup on the plane when you went away or um mm. um or, or in in when you went as I say went to any away games I mean it's making it very um, <clears throat> simplistic but um uh I remember encountering encountering lots of these people when I went to away games particularly later on in the 90s when you could actually purchase an away um director's seat in away matches um and you ended up sitting next to gary straker who incidentally is in one of the videos chidge as a very young man
0: yeah uh, i with, saw it i thought bloody he hell that's he, gary straker yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um i've got some i because i you know weirdly i i I saved an article that somebody wrote about this recently, actually. It was, uh, I should give them due credit, actually, to be fair, shouldn't I? Um, it was in Sam Tabuteau uh, in, a, in the All Things Chelsea blog, uh, bless him. But he put together a really good article on this. And, and I thought, well, oh, I'll read that later as you do. And I'll just read you a bit from this because I found the relevant bit. With Chelsea approaching the end of their seven-year lease in 1989... Cabra Estates, who had taken over the freehold from Marla, served the club an eviction notice. Ultimately, though, Bates' shrewd knowledge of the Companies Act allowed him to embroil the company in a series of filibustering legal proceedings. With Bates managing to exacerbate the process far beyond the ending of the club's lease, he was then rewarded with perhaps the single most telling telling development of the whole saga. Uh, The UK economy had surged blah, 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 blah. Anyway, that, that basically it meant that the property market crashed, the price of the had dramatically decreased alongside many of Cabra's other assets, and Bates was insistent on contesting the company's re-evaluation of the site. Cabra, however, won the case over Stamford Bridge Limited's valuation and were more than likely to set to win the impending appeal claim lodged by Bates. Uh but fortune favours the brave though, and Cabra, whose owner John Duggan had been at the centre of abuse from angry Chelsea fans, went into liquidation in November nineteen ninety-two. So yes, the short answer is it was all bubbling around, uh, behind the scenes at this time. Um but it's interesting, isn't it, how how, you know, our, our memory kind of does fade with time. And I couldn't quite pinpoint the exact uh, you know, chronology of all of that, but uh I mean, I think the the salient point out of all of that is, you know, one wonders whether it had any effect on our potential ins and outs. Uh, And actually, talking of ins and outs, it looked like, funnily enough, like it is today, it was one in, one out, although we seem to have bought that trend in the last few weeks. But we bought Alan Dickens from West Ham for 635 grand, but out went Joe McLaughlin to Charlton for 630 grand. So. Thus far, we spent five grand, and also we recouped another fifty grand by selling Billy Dodds to Dundee. So they were—it looks like you know—they were being sh- Bates was being shrewd, you know, and and not spending more than they had. Jonathan.
2: Well, you wonder whether they they needed to buy anybody. I mean, Johnson comes in pretty soon, doesn't he, Erland Johnson?
0: Um, no, he's he's not coming until November.
2: Ah, uh, well, I've leapt ahead. Can I just say, um, interesting to know what money, um. Um, my uh, what's it? Not Michael Attenborough. Um, uh, Dickie Attenborough was contributing in this instance. Yeah, because because he contributed a million pounds to the club of his own money,
0: Ooh.
2: and I know this because um, his son Michael is a friend of mine, and his wife Karen, uh, and Michael's wife Karen is uh, um, I used to work a lot with because she's an actress and does voiceovers, and um, and she said that she and she was recently booted out. Of the uh, the two seats that she thought that she'd been, the family had been given for perpetuity, because of this contribution from from Richard Attenborough. So uh, you wonder at what stage he started giving the money, and whether um, whether Bates could go ahead with something like considering at this period the Chelsea Village, knowing at the same time the lease had come to an end on the back of of having him as a as a um, as somebody who could bail the club out if necessary.
0: Well, um, I want, I, want... I
2: asked him to come on the show actually Chid, and Oh he's, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's not come forward with it. He um uh, I'm not sure he wants to talk about that aspect of his uh, of his dad's
0: involvement in the club which I can respect. No, really. I can understand that. Fair enough. I the, the other thing I mean it tells me that Bates was basically really confident in his own ability to to yeah. get the deal done in the way he wanted and was clearly looking ahead to a time when, when he would have won whatever he had to win against Canberra by getting this planning permit. Because, you know, you, you, you get the planning permission and you don't have to, don't actually have to do anything for a period of time. No, so, indeed,
2: indeed. Three years. So, it, you know, I mean, yeah.
0: Bates, I tell you, you know, we, we should at some stage, if I can find the time to do the research and everything, we should do, we should do a show just on Ken Bates. He is yeah. such such a paradoxical character in terms of this club. But anyway, we digress. Um Kelvin, um Joe McLaughlin goes out. Uh were
3: you sad to see him go? Um not particularly. Um liked him for what he did, you know, in the uh eighty three to eighty six sort of period, but um he wasn't the same player that the, the Joe McLaughlin that we sold. he had the good season in the promotion season. But I think at that point, that was probably just about his level. He was a sort of, I don't know, I, I felt he was unlucky not to go to the World Cup in 86. Um, but by by the time we were relegated, he was a, a shell of the same sort of, of, of the player he had been. Um, he, he'd become quite accident prone. Um, I, I wasn't overly sorry to, to see him go, if I'm honest.
0: And what about Alan Dickens from West Ham in midfield? Alan
3: Alan Dickens, I really liked, and I was really excited when we signed him. And even now, I just believe he was the right player at the wrong time. You know, Bobby Campbell was a a manager who took a lot of flair out of the team and got results that way. You know, he brought in Graham Roberts and Peter Nicholas um, a year earlier um, and got rid of Pat Nevin and Roy Wegley. That told you the direction that he was moving in. It was kind of a surprise when Mm. when he brought Dickens in because uh, dickens was a very stylish footballer when he was at west ham there was a game we played against them in the mid 80s um and uh it was at their place and he uh he scored this goal that was actually disallowed and nobody ever really understood why because he ran from the halfway line went through our team like a, a knife through butter um he beat three or four players and then slipped the ball in, into the net and it was a fantastic goal and and he had that he had that in his locker but I just think he was the right player at the wrong time for Chelsea. And I actually think his career never recovered from the whole experience either. I was always impressed by him
2: for the hammers, Kelvin. Whenever yeah. I, thought, I always thought he's a good player, isn't he? Um, in the same way that Devonshire always uh, seemed to have a stormer against us. Um, yeah. Very there's good certain player. players where you just think, oh, they're really good players, aren't they? But I think it, it spoke volumes, didn't it? That um, that Hazard eventually got sold uh, yeah. and Dickens was, was um was a decent, um, skillful player, but for me, nowhere in the same class as a Hazard. And the very fact we ended up with McAllister, who still tried his, he buzzed around like a hornet and really tried his socks off, but was yeah. nowhere near in the same class as 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 we Pat. You, nah, you, just, you just think what was going on, and the and the midfield, he really did like playing Nicholas and Bumpstead and Roberts. It, it, yeah. It was, He liked that solidity and you needed something else. I mean, we did pretty well in the season, but to me, you needed something else just to give it that, that, that element of flair, um, which he didn't absolutely right. He didn't like it. um, Bobby Campbell, he wanted, he wanted more um,
0: workmanlike uh,
2: industrious. Well,
0: you know, Kerry said that and bummers said that, if you remember uh, the end of last, uh, you know, last, last week's show that it was a very professional get the job done outfit that that got us back into division one this season. Which is kind of really odd when you think, you know, how many goals they scored and how many points they got. If you just looked at the looked at the league table on a piece of paper, you'll go, bloody hell, Chelsea must have been an amazingly brilliant flair side and la 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 la. But we weren't. We were we were workmanlike and we got the That's job a, done direct. I think the yeah. fact that he had
2: the three up though from yeah. last season, which he yeah. couldn't do this season because Jury. Who well I, we'll get, we'll on that let's we'll get let's jury. talk
0: about the first match because actually you know it, it it's it's interesting isn't it because you know you're right uh j k about last season and I, we we both we both talked about that last week didn't we about the fact that it was really interesting because he basically played with three strikers up front in kevin wilson gordon jury and and Kerry, and yeah. they all seemed to be three yeah.
2: three like it was like four three three wasn't it and
0: they all they all seemed to be quite interchangeable. Anyway, uh, first first match back in Division 1. Not not really quite like uh, when we returned in uh, 84, when we were at backed it <laughs> Out. This this time, our first match back is at uh, Wimbledon. Bloody Plough Lane uh, with a an attendance of, mind you, it must have been a record attendance for Wimbledon at 14,500, nevertheless.
3: But, I was um, one of them. I was one of them. You were
0: sure. one of them. I'm sure you were. I suspect Kelvin was there too.
3: Yeah, and Wimbledon with the uh, half thousand. <laughs> That's probably true as
0: well. <laughs> anyway, we lined up. Our first team sheet of the season was Dave Besson, Steve Clark, Tony Dorigo, Graham Roberts, David Lee, Ken Moncou, uh, Alan Dickens. He went straight in. Peter Nicholas, Kerry, Dukebox, uh, Kevin McAllister rather than Kevin Wilson, who came on as a sub, and Bummers came on for Gordon Jury. Um,. So, you know, it, 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 basically after that, he kind of reverts back to what you would expect, which is Kerry, Gordon and uh, Kevin Wilson as the three up front. I mean, it's quite a state. I mean, I, I think actually this season it was quite a stable side throughout. But, um, you know, we, we won one nil. Uh, we got off to a good start. Um, you know, any particular memories of the, of the match? You two? I'll go with you first, Kelv.
3: Yeah, a couple of um, memories from that one, actually. I, I recall being in the ground um, and an announcement was made. Um, you know, the, Ch- it was, the announcement was to all the Chelsea fans on the terrace. Can you please make your way towards the back of the terrace to make room? Because there's thousands of your fellow supporters trying to get into the ground. So about 10 minutes later, a bit of a squeeze. It's quite clear that the away end is packed capacity. Um, And then an announcement's made again, and the bloke's laughing, the announcer's laughing. He said, I don't know what's going on here, but it's the same message now, but for the Wimbledon end. He (laughs) said, can you all make space? All your fans are trying to get in now. But it weren't, it was just the Chelsea fans who piled down the road to the other end. Yeah, (laughs) I
2: remember that. Brilliant, brilliant brilliant memory, Kelvin. I, I hadn't remembered it and I now remember it. And would you believe I had gone, I was living around the corner at the time and I had gone early and bought a ticket and was sitting and was sitting on the halfway line amongst Wimbledon fans. I didn't care me. I just wanted a seat. I've always yeah. been like that. I've always liked a seat. Even <laughs> and I and I can admire what our fans are doing, but I like a seat. I, I don't. I like the. I, I never like being buffeted much. I'm just all. you know it's just. Uh, I, I, I'm. I'm a lot older than everybody else as well.
0: So I think bless it's sort of you. Fair were enough. you there with your Zimmer um, frame, mate? But yeah, it was exactly. Were you, were you sat next Zimmer to great frame, uncle but-
2: Bulgaria? But it, I, he was he was yes he was sitting next to me. Um. But uh. But no, I remember absolutely why I remember that was because it was so obvious. that yeah. it, <laughs> I, I, at, the, at the end was Chelsea. It was fantastic.
3: Absolutely right. Yeah. Anyway,
0: we we had a we had a a fairly decent start to the season. Um. We then uh, had QPR at home, which uh, was interesting for a number of uh, reasons. Uh. Basically, I just looked at that. Um. Uh, QPR. I completely forgotten this, but uh, but Spackers
3: was playing for QPR. Kelv. Yeah, I've forgotten that as well. Yeah. To be honest, but I knew he was there that season. They had a, um, an interest in midfield that season, didn't they? Because they had. Um, I noticed on the when I watched the highlights, that was when Peter Reid was there as well, and then yep. Ray Wilkins joined yep. uh, midway through the season. So um, I think Ray, of experience. I think
0: Ray's debut for QPR was against us when we played them away.
3: I believe so. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the four-two game. I mean, they're I quite. was a... slightly
2: annoyed by Ray hugging the goal scorer with great fervour. I thought that, was, dumb. Was, that? was a bit disrespectful in that game.
3: Yeah, but
0: come on, you can't have it both ways. I mean, we. we... Yes, you can, Chidge. Yes, Jesus. you can. <laughs> I mean, we, we give them a hard time if they refuse to celebrate scoring against their own side. I don't give a shit, mate. I'll tell you what, if I played for a club and then moved somewhere else to play again and I scored, I'd drop my bloody shorts and moon the away fans or the home fans. I, just, I wouldn't give a shit. You know, score a goal, bloody celebrate it, mate. He's speechless. Anyway, um, that, that QPR, <laughs> that QPR team was, I mean, I know this will offend Kelvin's sensibilities hugely, but they <laughs> they were a decent side. They had Seaman in goal, uh, Kenny Sansom, Paul Parker, Spackers, Cly- was it, man? must be Martin Allen, I would imagine, Peter Reid, uh, and uh, Andy Sinton. I mean, that wasn't, a, and uh, Trevor Francis was managing them. I forgot he managed
3: them, but... Uh, decent side. That is a decent side. Might have been Bradley Allen, I think, but... Um... Yeah, that's a decent side.
0: Right, so there we go. So uh, we uh, we we draw with QPR. We then have, you know, perennial uh, rivals and enemies, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, who we absolutely wallop four uh, nil. Uh, the the couple of things that that struck me about this match, Kelv, I mean, remember that, of course, we're you know I'm getting the benefit of watching the season review. Uh, from this season, which is excellent fun. But uh, I laughed I laughed very loudly twice whilst watching the highlights of this. One was when Tony Dorigo blatantly dived and won a penalty, and the yeah. other was Harper's comical own goal. I don't think I've ever seen a worse own goal.
3: It was a proper one, wasn't it? Yeah. it really I, I don't know what he was thinking. It was him that gave the penalty away um, as well. But the funny thing was about that game... Um, I always thought Alan Harper did a decent job when he was at Everton, and just a couple of weeks ago, I actually watched the um, the film Howard's Way about that mid eighties um, Everton team that won yeah, the league. Yeah. Um, and older players were saying what an important part of the team Alan Harper was because he was always a bit of a super sub for them. They could always rely on him to come in variety of positions, always did a job, and that's exactly how I remembered him. But he went to Sheffield Wednesday, and that's the f- that's the only game I remember him playing um against us and he was awful that day and and that own, own goal as you say was was just a shocker whether the conditions played a part in it I don't know because I do remember that game being one of the wettest I can ever remember I mean it was a proper English summer's day it poured down
0: uh yeah indeed I mean there was a lot of weather around this year but Jonathan do you remember much about that that, that well, home I engine? had a look Chidge, I look back at that penalty just to see
2: whether or not it was the most blatant dive I thought in the it world. was
0: I thought it was and I,
2: I looked at it about six times, and in the end, I convinced myself that there was uh, some kind of contact yeah. with uh, with his foot. But um, nonetheless, uh, he did go down like a sack of potatoes. And the referee, of course, was um, the other side of the penalty area. So uh, rather than consult his linesman, um, gave his own decision and basked in the glory of it, as is <laughs> normally the wont of referees. But um, uh, um, now I have, other than that, I have... No memories of it. I was there um, um, and I I'm, I'm enjoyed watching a, a rather lovely victory. But um, um, I'm just impressed by, um, we'll get on to it eventually, but uh, what comes across to me in all these these games is how completely brilliant Besant was. And I know we're going to talk about him later, but he has a very, very... You should very... never have
0: told your Brian Connolly gag because you've been... You know prematurely ejaculating all, all the show way so through far.
2: I know we're gonna know we're going to get there, but I just wanted to mention it
0: just to give it a tease you're, you're just a in, tease, Jonathan in the
2: same way um uh Durigo was really very good indeed at four yeah three. i was really, going i
0: was going say that
2: very, actually very i mean i mean so is it, shooting as well as shooting yeah. and his overlapping and he's beating players course cracking goals this season of course, of which goal.
0: there will be much more later, but you know i mean of course this this should really also be set into context of the fact that this is not only you know World Cup year there's a World Cup at the end of this season but it's the 1990 World Cup which many people with hindsight look back on saying saved English football you know others others might say it ruined it by, by bringing in a whole load of middle-class wannabes but you know, it was the World Cup, and of course, Tony DiRigo featured in 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 that for us um, in the in the playoff match. I believe it's the only match he played. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. Um, Chelsea's first defeat comes in an away match at the end of August against. We're
2: top there, Chid. You hadn't said that. We're top. No, we, okay. well, oh.
0: we we are. Well, after what three games? Yeah. On, we're we,
2: still, yeah. well, geez, my enthusiasm because of that was was boundless. Well, you know, I'm going. We're top. We're... <laughs> well, we're
0: second after losing to Chelton, which is our first uh, defeat of the season. Now, there's there's a reason why I have picked this out um, because I forgot again. Uh, right, those of you might remember, those of you listening might remember that I used to present uh, the weekend breakfast show on Love Sport Radio with a certain Paul Mortimer, who is one of the loveliest people you will ever meet. Uh, and he played for Charlton which I used to mercilessly rip the piss out of him for and just to show the mark of the true gentleman that is Paul Mortimer he never once mentioned this moment which is when he scored the third goal for Charlton in a 3-0 victory over us and I have to say um, it was it was Socrates like mate I mean he basically picks up the ball beats about three players and absolutely wallops it into the net absolutely brilliant goal on 81 minutes and uh, so there you go um so we lost to 3-0 uh, lost 3 nil to Charlton which is our first defeat uh, we then kind of picked ourselves up and drew at home against Forest and then of course as always one of the most uh, looked forward to games of the season we go up to White Hart Lane uh, to play Spurs um couple of things we we wallop them 4-1 by the way it's brilliant Spurs uh, fans are leaving in droves but the memorable thing about this, I mean, obviously, Kerry scores a superb goal where he basically, with you know, just latches onto a, a, a quite a long ball and just lobs it over the goalkeeper. Brilliantly measured, and that is his 150th goal for Chelsea. The other thing, Kelv, that, uh, that I picked up listening to this, were, were, and I'm sure these were Spurs fans. I mean, I, if you two were there, then you can, you can verify this, but they were chanting, What a load of rubbish! which I'm presuming yes. they were chanting at Spurs,
3: is yeah, it? definitely. Yeah, we were banned. Oh, Sorry, we weren't banned. We couldn't go to the game because Spurs were having work done in their ground, so it was home crowd only. Right. I didn't um, wonder. I
0: thought we weren't. Yeah,
3: yeah I watched this game at um, Wembley Arena on a big screen. They put a big screen on for, for Chelsea fans and and uh, watched it there. I, as it turned out, I could have actually gone to the game because the guy I worked with at the time, it was a bit, it's a bit of a spurious one, but he was friends with a band called The Adventures, I remember who sang then. Broken Land. Not, not yeah.
0: Bloody Crowder.
3: No, uh, yeah, he, he does know him. He wasn't the, the person in it, but is that is that band? Yeah, because yeah, he did, was the drummer. Did... Yeah, yeah. Well, the lead singer um, was a Spurs fan who knew Gary Mabbott, and this guy Liam, who I used to work with. I was telling him that obviously I'd have given me right arm for a ticket for that game. I couldn't get one. Um, and it turned out that when I went into work on the Monday, he told me that Gary Mabbott had a ticket for me, but nobody could get in touch with me. You know, we didn't have mobiles back then and no one could get in touch with me. So I missed out on being there for, for that game. Um, but but yeah, we watched it at Wembley. And, and so it was definitely the the Spurs fans turning that way, but I had a reputation for it back then.
0: What do you mean back then?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think they're much different now, <laughs> are they?
0: They're not but, actually, are they? They're rubbish. No, nah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jonathan did you manage to wangle yourself in with a you know theatrical mate who sat in the shelf I, 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 or something? I, I, well
2: shit you've read my Funny mind.
0: funny you should say that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, theatrical Spurs fan mate. said, oh, I've got a ticket lovey, for the uh, for the match. Would you like to accompany me but have to sit on your hands if Chelsea score. And uh, I, I did a lot of sitting on my hands, <laughs> four times. Yeah, I got really yeah. good at that. I've got really good at that over the years. I just go, oh, they to just scored. And uh, oh, mm, good goal. Mm. Or I pretend to be a, a, uh, an opposition fan. Oh, dear, look at that. They, they were really open for that, weren't they? Oh, dear me. Oh, he's a good player, isn't he, Dixon? <laughs> oh, oh. Wilson's a bit special, isn't he? I never realised that. What a wonderful pass. And stuff like that, you know. And then I criticise one of the Spurs players deliberately to make me look as if I know what I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, (laughs) well, yeah. I loved it. I loved it.
0: Yeah. We, we played really, really well that day. Uh, Carrie opened the scoring on 36 minutes. Uh, Kevin Wilson scored on 44 and 76 and Stevie Clark scored a great goal on 69 minutes, but uh, they, they, they scored on 61 minutes, a certain Paul Gascoy and I have to say, it was a brilliant goal. Paul Walsh uh, pulled it in, did really well down the left, pulled it back uh, across the penalty area, and Gascoigne basically stole into the penalty area and dispatched it with his left foot. Uh, whatever you think of Gazza, he was a hell of a footballer actually, and it's it's funny seeing moments like that again. You know, everybody's used to seeing all the England stuff, but he was a he was a great football player. Um, so there we go. The interesting,
2: interesting thing happened though was, was, was Jury didn't play because of a uh, hernia problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, um, and I think this was actually very relevant for the season. I think we'd have done better.
0: Well, I think he was he was in and out like a yo-yo, poor old jukebox. Because uh, he, he, I mean, I, I'm just uh, telling you, just about to tell you how many uh, matches he played in total. I oh, I could do, but I forgot to put it in this week, so I'll have to tell you yeah. later. I did notice that. Yeah, yeah well, i going to mention. In true I, Captain Mannering style, I was wondering who would notice. Let's that. Let's put
2: it this way: he only scored five goals. Which yeah. com- in yeah. comparison with the season before. Well, was he was top uh,
0: scorer, wasn't he? Or what well, he was yeah. not, not last season, but the year before. The year before. Um, yeah. All right. Um, of course, being Chelsea, you know, uh, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. What is it about this club? Because we managed to draw uh, one all with Scarborough who I would imagine would have been in the third or fourth division then, uh, won all uh, at Stamford Bridge in the Littlewoods Cup. Uh, we then beat Coventry 1-0, which is jolly good. And then we have a much an, another big awaited match, uh, this time against Arsenal at home. Uh, we're second in the league, by the way. They, of course, are champions, because this is the season after the infamous uh, match where they, they won the title up at Anfield. Um, so they're currently champions. They're in third. Uh, so it's a uh, uh, you know top of the top of the table clash, and uh, you would imagine you know with all that talent on display, it'd be a great uh, a great. Actually, it was a decent match, although it was nil nil. Um, but I would imagine. Well, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the game. But I mean, a lot of people will remember it for for two things. One, Perry Groves foul on Graham Roberts, uh, which he tried to break his legs basically, and he was stretched off. And of course, Besson's great penalty save. Of course, besson was famous for his penalty saves and uh, he saved uh, rowcastle's penalty kelvin didn't he
3: he did but you know I'd completely forgotten that until I watched back watched it back on the review I had no recollection of it at all i had one recollection of this game and it's the other one all i ever think about for this game is perry Groves' assault on roberts i, I hated him for years after that for the, for just for the sort of the nature of the foul um the cowardly aspect to it as well i mean it, I, I guess there was some It was braving as much as he was flying into a bloke like Graham Roberts, but um, he came in from the side and Roberts couldn't really do much about it. And it just struck me as a a particularly malicious, nasty foul.
2: (laughs) He kicked him with both legs, didn't he? He kicked him with the right one, then followed through with the left. As far as I and he
3: he went in so high, he's just like he—he was there. He was putting him out of the game. He was—he was putting him on a stretcher. He knew what he was doing. Um, I think you know when I take me me blue tinted glasses off and think about it a few years down the line and I'm not a big fan of Graham Roberts either nowadays um, and I have to say that with Roberts I suppose you don't know what was being said and done during the game that might have provoked Perry Groves to do that and you know Roberts was a bully himself so there, there may have been a bit of history there but it was a particularly nasty foul that one.
2: Well, um, it would have been a red nowadays. with, oh, with definitely, the,
0: definitely, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I I know Perry. I've worked with Perry many, many times. And, and, and actually, I've gone out drinking with him several times. I mean, bizarrely, uh, even at Lords, me and Dr. Mark bumped into him one year and he goes there every year with his best mate. And I ended up getting absolutely hammered with him, Dr. Mart and his mate in a pub somewhere in St. John's Wood. And I have to say, I like Perry. He's a, he's a top, top bloke. You might have hated him as a footballer, but he's, he's a decent bloke. He's a, He's lively, and he and he's a wind-up merchant, but he's all right. I, as far as I recall, I think there was history there between him and Roberts. I think Roberts had done him uh, a season or two before, uh, so I think it was a bit of payback. But, uh, anyway, so, you know, I think bottom line is chaps. 0-0 against the champions. Uh, it was a bit of a, you know, it was, it was a good match, actually. It might have looked like a boring 0-0, but I thought it was quite entertaining. Um, and they were a good side. They were champions for a reason, Jayco.
2: Can I can I speak about Besant now?
0: Yeah, can I just? I haven't that, finished talking about the Arsenal game.
2: Oh, go on. Well, I wanted to say how brilliant he was. Yeah, in the but Arsenal
0: there's a game. there's a whole chapter, right? If you if you read the the notes that I gave, I know,
2: you, I know, brilliant, brilliant Besant. Besant. I know, I know, but brilliant can Besant. I, can I once again give you a kind of sort you can of you can
0: say every five minutes how brilliant Besant was? How about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So that, is that can okay? All right. Well, I won't I won't talk about the technique that he had until later on, but just wanted to say once again. He was uh, absolutely outstanding. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I and, I totally agree, mate. Ab- kept
2: us in the game in a
0: way yeah. that um, um,
2: other goalkeepers, let's say, of a, a more current um, state. What would you would give?
0: <laughs> what would you give for a Dave Besson now?
2: Um, other than the odd gaff that be- when when Bessent did a gaff, you knew he did a gaff. Yeah, but, true oh, enough. Well, but but. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's proper keeper, six foot bloody whatever. The confidence that the goalie gives to the defence, shouting at them. Yeah, and yeah, and really getting annoyed when yeah. goals are scored. Really yeah. gets annoyed when somebody's been unmarked and have been allowed, and even gets annoyed similarly when they, they they've, they've been unmarked and they almost score. It it, it's, it adds such a um, an energy to the uh, to the performance of the defence. It's uh, it, it's very. It's very important indeed. No,
0: I, th- I think it's like interesting, that. isn't it, with old Dave? Because, uh, you know, I mean, having done, you know, we've now done 20 years of these shows and we started off obviously with Peter Benetti, arguably our greatest ever keeper in goal. And and then for years we had idiots in goal for us. I mean, John Phillips was all right, you know, but a bit unlucky with injury, I suppose, and stuff. But And then we had Eddie Neddy, who was just, brilliant the best goalkeeper since since the cat and then of course he goes down with with the injury and again you know we we we, we struggled with goalkeepers didn't we and then you know Besson I think is, is you know we, we speak a lot about how great the cat was we speak a lot about how good Eddie Neddy was but we don't we don't tend to speak about Dave Besson in the same tones and I and I do wonder whether we should because he was a good servant for us Kelv
3: yeah, but he did make a lot, of mistakes. Make I mean, a lot he's, of mistakes. He's remembered for them. He's a bit of a, a David James. I mean, David James was a was a cracking goalie, sort of 80% at of the time, but it was that other 20% that is, yeah. is what people remember. But all goalies
2: I,
0: make mistakes, mate.
2: I think it was that yeah, season, though, more, wasn't it? It was the season where he was clearly, um, he couldn't catch anything. He just seemed well, to lose it completely. Well, the, this
3: season. Probably a league season.
2: No, 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 no. The, the 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 season just before he was sold. Oh, yeah, 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 record, yeah, yeah. Was. Well, he, well he, got, he was
0: he really lost it. Completely. He got the yips, didn't he? Really, yeah. But I mean, yeah. this season he was superb, and, and no, no, this yeah. this season yeah. was magnificent when he gets an England call-up. Well, absolutely right. Um. Anyway, so the delight of uh, you know good old Ding Dong with the arse. Uh, of course, Chelsea being Chelsea, go right back down to earth in the Littlewoods Cup, in the second leg of that against Scarborough, and uh, and managed to lose three uh, two. In fact, actually, this is even better. This is so classically Chelsea. It's not true uh we were uh we were we were two nil uh we were two nil up in this tie away to scarborough and then they won three two uh but we were the only first division side that were knocked out in the second round of the littlewoods cup I, I wouldn't imagine that either of you were there but what do you what do you remember of this
3: kelvin just hearing it hearing it on the radio i wasn't there i was very impressed watching it back to see just how many Chelsea were that, that yeah, night. Yeah,
0: they were. Um,
3: really, I mean, full credit to those guys who went there, not only because it's a hell of a journey in midweek, um, but also because there was always a chance back then that that's the sort of outcome when, when we were playing teams like that. We'd You know, we'd been dicked by fork the season before, and, and, and now this. Um, but, I mean, to make it worse, it was nil-nil at half-time we scored our goals after half-time. We were 2-0 up with half an hour to go and still that's managed right. to lose it in normal time. <laughs> um, but but you hit the nail on the head. It was Chelsea being Chelsea.
0: Yeah, very much so.
2: Aren't they helped by the fact that the pitches were always um, ludicrously boggy? Whenever so was played? Stamford Bridgeline.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think true, that, that's true. It's not it's like from, it is now. So many
2: pitches were, weren't they? Yeah, you're right. yeah.
0: It's not like it is now. Uh, we then follow that up with a two-nil uh, loss uh, away at Norwich, where a certain Robert Fleck scores a goal. More of him later. Um, and then we play Derby away. Uh, the notable thing about this uh, being a beautifully set up uh, Kerry Dixon goal by Rodders, who uh, you know pretends to be um, Gianfranco Zola, I think. But he sets up. It was, it was a really beautiful goal, you know. Rodders basically beats a couple of players on the edge of the area, slips it across, and then somebody just basically tees Kerry up, who just slide rules it in. Super, super goal. Um, uh, This is another feature of this season. I mean, I know Kerry does very, very well overall. Kind of more of that later. uh, Ends up being top scorer again. But I have to say, Kelvin, he scored some cracking goals this season. And and last week on the show, I was getting all kind of moist and misty-eyed about how good Kerry was uh, in the uh, eighty-eight, eighty-nine season, and saying that you know, basically, what what I think has happened with Kerry, you know, he's there's a maturity to his game now, and a real class about his game. You know, there's, the, the fact that he. You know he he might not necessarily have been playing the traditional number nine in the middle he was he was cutting cutting him from the right or the left occasionally. he was setting people up, but there's the variety of the goals that he was scoring as well i mean you know evidenced by that great goal he scored against spurs i just mm. thought i just thought he was i i think you know eighty eight eighty nine eighty nine ninety were were peak Kerry I really do and and other people shoot me down and say, no, 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 that's nonsense but i really I really think he was at his peak for us at this this stage of his career.
3: And he should have been playing for England.
0: Well, we'll get onto that later. But what do you reckon, Kel?
3: Um Not sure. I, I mean, his earlier seasons, I think he was more um, um, exciting, more lively, more, um, I don't know. There was something, there was this sort of like, aggression and pace and he was so hard to handle but I do take your point that he was a a more rounded footballer by this Mm -hmm. stage in his career definitely I mean and what you're saying about the variety of the goals he scored and the quality of the goals he scored this season definitely definitely have to agree I mean like there was a range of different types of goals. There's the one that we're going to talk about in a minute against Millwall, which was was a beauty. You know, there was the one at Spurs. I mean, that was a he, he took that ball over over his shoulder on the volley and locked yeah. the keeper. I mean, that's a, an art in itself. Um, the hat trick at Millwall on the last uh, last day of the season. That that really was a spectacular hat trick. Goal against Charlton when he when he went on a little run and chipped the keeper. So it's hard to argue with what you're saying about him being um, at his peak as a, as, a, as an all round player.
0: Mm, absolutely. I mean, talking of goals, he scores another one against Man City, but I think the the a, a good header. But uh, I think the thing that I remember about that was was the beautiful delivery by Mickey Hazard. Uh, again, I mean, you know, he, he he does leave us towards the end of the season, which uh, Jonathan and I have been saying this for weeks. You know, w- such a talented player, and it just seems to be just unbelievable how he never managed to get into the side much, and whenever he did. He pulled the strings and was doing things like that, J.K.? Just beggars always belief, con- doesn't it?
2: Always confused me. It, it it clearly... he Campbell just didn't want that kind of player in the side.
0: Didn't like luxury players.
2: Well, but also uh, the number of times that we scored with a boot down the pitch where the ball was headed on, which Kerry did a lot of this season rather than in the past where it was always Wilson doing it for him or uh, Speedo doing it for him... Um, he contributed assists like that, getting to the ball and heading it over. There seemed to be a lot of very direct play, um, which was clearly something that Campbell went for. And uh, it meant that, you know, classy midfielders weren't required. What he was after was the uh, the, the the solidity, the steel in the midfield that um, he hoped would... Uh, uh, would obtain the ball by fair means or foul. I mean, they were creative. Nicholas was a creative player. Roberts could provide a decent pass, but I thought Roberts didn't have a a, a great season actually, as will be revealed as well later on. I didn't think he was the the powerhouse that he had been. I think he was lose lacking in pace. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, Johnny B came in and out, um, and he would play Clive Wilson in and out. He had he had some decent players, but Wilson wasn't to me in the same um category as hazard who was uh, absolutely terrifically skilled just, just, and would open defenses up with brilliant little passes.
0: And so. could beat players as well. And I I, indeed, I think it's interesting indeed. you mentioned Clive, because I think he's another unsung hero for us because I thought he was a really, really good player. And it's sad that he, he goes at the end of the season as well. And I look at what he did this season, I think how could we let him go? But um there's another thing to put into this. You mentioned it a minute ago, you know, a lot of long balls going up to Kerry or Kevin Wilson. But I mean, I don't mean to to do a Jonathan here and, and, and race ahead, but when we get humped by Liverpool, nearly every one of those goals you could say was pretty much a direct goal. It was, you know, putting players through to run onto balls. And I think that, you know, very different time in English football. And I think that's pretty much how English, you know, good English sides play. They play with pace and power. You were not averse to putting a ball over the top for a good striker to run onto. It was not like it is now all this bloody pass, 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 sideway, sideway, sideways stuff. So, you know, maybe, maybe Campbell was was basically playing the game that was played at that time, and he wanted he played, wanted yeah. you know fast or powerful players who could hit people on the break. And 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 I saw that that's what we did. A lot. Um, we should mention in dispatches, uh, for no reason that it's annoying, but Clive Allen scored an amazing goal for City that day, didn't he? And of course he ends up being a Chelsea player. In fact, actually this season it's bizarre, and I'll mention another one in a minute, the number of players that we played, particularly strikers who end up playing for Chelsea in a few years time, Kelvin, isn't it? <laughs>
3: As they're winding down their careers, yeah, or yeah,
0: (laughs) I don't even go well. I mean, Clive's goal was was superb, there's no you know, you can't argue with that. And on his day, he scored a very
3: similar
2: goal for Chelsea, didn't he? With a volley, yeah, he's a good good player, he had a wonderful eye for a
3: shot.
0: Did he play about twice for us or something?
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. he weren't there long, was he? No, he wasn't. But I'll tell you what, this, um, that that goal he scored against City, there was nearly a riot there. If there'd been a big enough crowd, there'd have been a riot because, um. I was sitting right behind the linesman. I was in the uh, East Lower. We used to get tickets, me and my mate from Charing Cross Hospital. There was a surgeon there who used to get tickets, um, but he never used them. He weren't interested. He used to get a pair of home tickets every every uh, game. Um, because my mate had a mate who worked at Charing Cross, they used to get passed on to us. So we always sat in the East Lower um, at the shed side. Um, and we were right behind the linesman um, when Clive Allen scored that goal and what's happened is and you could actually see it on the highlights video but you'd have to be looking for it a ball has been played forward Um, and Brian Gow, their centre half has gone into the back of Kerry Dixon on an aerial challenge right in front of the linesman and the linesman is waving his flag furiously for a foul Um, and the ref just waves play on and the linesman's kept his flag up the whole time and we're watching him he's, he's like literally yards away from us Um, and the ball's gone up Clive Allen's belted it straight past Besant into the net and at full time people were trying to get at the ref like you know across the tunnel he was getting all sorts of abuse I mean it was proper sort of kicking off there because he could never explain why he waved play on when a linesman who was five yards away from the incident was saying it was a foul.
0: Yeah totally and of course it's 90 minutes as well so you know. I, I, I remember that I remember we
2: were trying to work out what the reason was and my my theory was possibly the referee thought that he was giving a foul for um, uh, for uh, for City, mm. and uh, and therefore had, that's why he, he didn't understand what the linesman was saying. But of course, what should have happened then was the linesman should have kept his flag up, and uh, yeah. and the referee should have consulted the linesman. But once again, um, there is this whole business of the status of the linesman in comparison with the referee, which yeah. will which still persists. Today, um, in in uh, with the, the the bizarre set of of idiots we have strutting about uh, in the Premier League, but Absolutely. we digress as always.
0: Well, we do, um, but that draw against City leaves us uh, in second position. This is the twenty eighth of October. We we then have a couple of matches: um, uh, one against Millwall at home, the other away at Everton. Uh, we kind of teased the Millwall game a minute ago. Uh, you know, talk us through Kerry's uh, superb goal, Kelvin. Yeah,
3: I mean, I think it was the I think it was the fourth goal in the game um, when the ball just came into the box and he was at a, um, an angle and and he sort of took it down really neatly and then just whacked it on the volley um, into the top top of the net and um, it was actually the the goal that signalled a little bit of trouble in the ground because Millwall livened up a bit after that <laughs> but it was a it was a funny game that one. What I always remember about it is is actually just what an even game it was. There was it was. It was never a 4-0 game. You know, it was like, it was almost like we had four chances and took them and they had four and missed them all. It was really, really even. Well, in-
0: including a comical miss from Tony Cascarino, a future Chelsea player, well, of course.
3: And, and he made a few of them for us as well, to be didn't fair, he didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was also a
2: future Villa player as well, which was very confusing. Well, he mm. sets
0: up a goal for them uh, to, against us at the end of the season, doesn't he? He does, he does.
2: Can I just yeah, say, yeah. you were saying you were in the East Stand Lower um Kelvin, it's interesting how if you watch lots of those games, the uh, the East stand is is sparsely populated. Yeah. Um, apart from the East stand lower, which is nearly always full. And uh, then above it, though, you've got the, uh, the posh seats, hardly anybody in them. And the same with the East stand upper. So there was uh, a great disparity with who was actually buying seats to watch the teams. And even, and we'll get onto it, in the Man United game, perversely. Because Man United just... I mean, Man United weren't doing very well this season, but nonetheless, it was always one of the great games and, yeah. and would have, you know, in excess of 40,000. Wasn't the case this season.
0: Yeah, although no. the, the shed was packed as ever.
2: Of course, of course. As I but, say, it was the East and Lower. But but I wonder whether... I can't remember whether Bates was charging very big prices for the the middle and the upper. I think so. It's the kind of thing he would do in that period, of course.
0: yeah. Uh anyway, so after dispatching Millwall 4 0 we end up top and we remain top uh with a top of the table clash against Everton away. Um of course Everton, you know, still had a fairly decent side in those days, but uh the thing that caught my eye about this Kelvin, which is always bound to make me laugh, was how utterly appalling Martin Keown was for them in defence. <laughs> uh, in his double his double clearance that that failed to clear anything, uh managing to put uh Stevie Clark in to score uh, what would prove to be the only goal of the game
3: yeah extra sweet really when isn't it's it? um, Keone who's in <laughs> up that way isn't it really you know I think the only thing that's sweeter than that is the fact we don't have to see Keone on telly anymore I don't think he's uh, he's been appearing recently has he so um, so hang on a minute
0: yeah. they've sacked all these idiots from Sky and the BBC have sacked Keone in uh, in you know in sympathy or something have they
3: yeah, mate. I don't know. I just don't seem to hear him much um, no, anymore. He will, always a good
0: friend. Yeah. yeah, true enough. He really annoys me, Martin Keown. I have to say. And uh, later on, in a few years' time, we will be with relish covering the uh, match where Nigel Spackman knocks him clean <laughs> out, which uh, I will celebrate wildly. Um, bottom line is, by the eleventh of November, nineteen eighty-nine, we are on top. Um, now, here's a question for you two boys. Uh, in lieu of me not asking you the obvious question at the beginning of the programme. We've now played um let me just have a look. We've played, you know, 13 games, so that's a decent run. Uh we've won 3 at home and 4 away. Uh and we've lost two games, both away and drawn four at home. Were you surprised to see Chelsea top? I mean, we've just come up from, you know, the boys in blue in division 2. Did you in your wildest expectations really expect us to be top of the table at this stage of the season, Jonathan? Um,
2: well, I always thought that it was um, ridiculous us being in the second division anyway. So, because uh, we, to me, we were a first division side in the second division, and so um, uh, to me, this was just evidence of how good the side was. And I thought Campbell at the time had got it right, and uh, except for Hazard, but we were still, you know, winning and doing okay. So you, 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 you have faith in the in the manager's decisions, don't you? You do. If uh, if, if what he appears to be doing is correct, so. Um, and they seemed to have several players who, when other players were injured, would come in and, and, and do the business. I was I was very happy Kel- at the time. But Kel- as usual in these instances of this period, one's, one's happiness is misplaced because yeah, I immediately thought, we might win the league.
0: So did you, know seriously, did you think we might at this stage, were you thinking we're going to win the league? We're going to win the league. Yeah. We're the league.
2: yeah. Were you I wanted singing to be, but I felt jury was important for this because yeah. as you, you may, have may have worked out, I'm a bit of a jury fan. I thought, yeah got jury was completely wonderful
0: were you singing we're going to win the league from the east upper i ne- i never see yeah i know you know that kelvin um... i just
2: say for a second i was just, i'm disappointed that the 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 dixon song was there's only one kerry dixon and rather annoyingly they, they also were singing there's only one dave besant and i just get so fed up with the lack of of desire to to find alternative songs for people well they were know?
0: Tony DiRigo. No,
2: indeed, indeed, indeed. But in this particular instance, I mean, come on. I think, I think Vincent to be Rick fair, deserved a song all his own.
0: I think, I think to be fair, um, there were lots of. There's only one fill-in uh, name which yeah. kind of fits yeah. in in those days. You know, <clears throat> I think. I mean, much as I love Marco and Walt's, uh, you know, carefree book, which goes into the history of Chelsea songs. Proving beyond any reasonable doubt that we have a, a wide catalogue of songs. One of the things that I don't know if they really covered this, but there are trends in in songs which, actually, having done this series, we we've spotted a few. You know, the the whole the here we go, here we go period, for example.
2: But also, as you said, it what a load of rubbish. That what was a load at, of so, rubbish. That was at the bridge as well. That yeah. was. We're, we're, Chelsea fans would do that about Chelsea if they didn't play well for a time, and also the whole slow hand clapping thing that used yeah, to happen yeah, yeah. in the eighties, which just disappeared after a bit.
0: I definitely yeah. think this is the era of the one insert name. I do, but anyway, I digress. Kelvin, did you dare to dream at this stage?
3: No, no, <laughs> you're far oh, too long was... in the tooth for that nonsense. <laughs> I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at where we were. Um, I remember going into work on the Monday after the Everton game and my one of my closest friends at work was an Everton fan and I remember sitting there in the office and as he walked past me, I was singing Chelsea Top of the League and he just turned <laughs> around to me and he went, you're not going to win the league, you know, and I just went, <laughs> I know we're not, I know we're not, <laughs> but I'm still singing it.
0: <laughs> get him while you no, can, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing. Yeah,
3: absolutely, it? and that's exactly it, it was, you know, when was I next going to get the chance to sing Chelsea top of the league, but no, I never, I never thought it was going to last.
0: I, I tell you what, I wish I'd done my homework properly and figured out the last time that we'd been top of the league or top of the Division 1, but I bet you it was a while ago. Um, yeah. Right, after that, there were quite a lot of changes kicking around. Uh, first of all, Ian Porterfield, who's the assistant manager to Bobby Campbell, he leaves to go and manage Reading. Uh, Graham Roberts is uh, promoted to become player coach, which means Peter Nicholas is made captain. Uh, this will have interesting ramifications later on in the season. Uh, we mentioned Dave Besson. Uh, and we've already effused massively about how brilliant he was this season, but... Curiously enough, he manages to play twice for England in two days. He plays for the under 21s or the B team, and then he plays for the full team the next day, which is quite an unusual thing. And the other thing that happens in November, which Jonathan certainly uh, alluded to uh, not so long ago, is the fact that we signed Erland Jonsson uh, from Bayern Munich for 300 grand. Uh, so even in those days, uh, Chelsea were signing top talent from Germany, Jonathan. Yes, and um, did you did uh, you did you dispel the rumor in uh, on on the wireless on Telegram or something like you do on Twitter nowadays about rumors? And did you have to take your kit off when we signed Johnson?
2: <laughs> Funnily enough, I didn't have access to any of the uh, the, the journalists who make all these things up, um, uh, but I, I'd learned not to pay much attention to them. Um, uh, I got a bit confused about Johnson signing actually because. Um, uh, and, and once again, also, I wasn't quite sure where David Lee played, because David Lee was clearly um, such a decent ball player. I wasn't convinced about him as a centre-half, though. So you had... Uh, a better midfielder, I thought. Much better, absolutely. Ken Moncow, um decent. was very solid. Um, but I wasn't sure who the, the other centre-half was most of the time. Um, uh, so I suppose that's why he, that's why he signed Johnson. And I, I And Dickens seemed to be so in and out. That I, I didn't quite know why we'd signed him originally. Um, I found that a bit confusing, but uh, he seemed. Um, a comment was made actually on on the clip that I I watched by the commentator saying uh, um, it's difficult for these foreign players to uh, to deal with the rough and tumble of the of the first division, as because it was such a rarity to have somebody um, uh, from the from from Germany to come and play, and yet Montkau had come from. Um, where would he come from? From Holland to play. So I mean, it was. Final. Uh, yeah, final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought Moncay was a decent player. Actually, very solid, and once again, another ball player. But can I just talk about Besant now in this moment, because we've. You he, can. You can
0: talk about Besson and we can talk. I think we can also talk about the defence. But I'll let you go first, if
2: you could, because uh, just briefly for a second, who was originally with Moncay at centre half? It was David Lee, wasn't it, and, or was and, it
0: and or Roberts and or Roberts? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but um, what Bessent did, which I I I don't see any other, I don't see goalkeepers do that nowadays, is he attacks the ball, he attacks the striker, so the striker is in a whether, position whether he
0: had the ball or not. Whether he had the <laughs> ball
2: or not. You can't <laughs> no. take
0: Wimbledon out of the boy, mate.
2: You cannot. No, but it, it was that thing of of the, the the whoever was coming towards him, or even a, a, a snapshot. He had the ability to anticipate where he thought the ball was going to go. Obviously, you do that as a keeper, but he was never never leaden-footed. He was never stuck in that position. He would always move towards the striker, thus narrowing the angle. And it was these, a whole series of fantastic saves that he made as a consequence of absolutely dominating the area, not just from um, uh, getting balls from corners and crosses, which he was always first to, but also because of this Ability to really threaten the 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 goal taker, the would be goal scorer, which um, seemed to me to be pretty unique at the time. He would be absolutely in charge, and the angle would be so closed down, which is I have something I, that Neuer does actually. I think that it com- comparatively, um, you're so uh, you're so keen to to impose yourself upon the the striker and the ball that you're right out there, and the number of saves he made as a consequence, quite phenomenal. And considering also he had legs like a stick insect, he did pretty well, didn't he, really? Let's let's think about it. Well, I mean... As as did lots of them.
0: He was, I mean, I think throughout the season, and I'm thinking of the Norwich match where we lost 2-0. He made some superb saves there. Uh, Later on, uh, I think, uh, just slightly after Christmas, when we played Wednesday away, Sheffield Wednesday away, he was outstanding, that game. Yes. And and was so pissed off that we let a stupid goal in, um, you know, at the end of the match, and and yet I mean I, I think he was absolutely brilliant this season. I really <laughs> really really do. But uh, as Kelvin will rightly say, uh, so I shall pip him to the post. He was also equally capable of some real brain farts, like he dropped the ball. I can't remember the match now, but somebody it was a it was a it might be in the Bristol City Cup game actually. Somebody fired yeah. a shot in, and he and <coughs> I mean horrible conditions to be fair but also that hilarious, when we got humped by uh, by Wimbledon uh 5-2 or whatever it was i think it yeah, might, yeah? yeah and and he drops that cross and it basically hits Jack, uh, alan cork and goes in you know so you know yeah. he he was capable of brain farts but there you go but Kelvin, he was he was superb this season wasn't he
3: he he, he did have a very very good season um You know, I'm sure you discussed it last week. Um, He was very good in that second half of the season before. Um, He was a big... He was like the same
0: effect as Mick. You mentioned it in your book. It was like the same kind of the equivalent of Mickey Thomas joining us when he did.
3: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, settled um, the the defence down, um, took charge. And 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 was great, and and yeah, this this season I think generally he did do well. Um, I, I, the the Sheffield Wednesday performance that you mentioned, I think, was generally accepted that that was what got him his place on the on the aeroplane to to um Italy. Um, yeah, he, he had a very good season. Um, but it was interspersed with the the occasional Besant moment. But but all round he 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 won us some games, and and um, this has been a problem that the modern Chelsea have struggled with. Kepper hasn't won as many games. And before him, I would argue that there weren't that many games that Courtois could say that mm. he kept us in and um but there were there were times um throughout his time at Chelsea that Besant won us games.
0: Yeah. Um it's funny enough actually I, I was sitting there trying to find the the Wimbledon match and it was it was next down on the notes. Um we did lose five two. I mean the interesting thing about and I said I even said it Bessant Howler for the fifth but uh, Dennis Wise scores a couple of goals what, what yeah. is it about Wimbledon though Kelv we we had a few really duff results against them didn't we yeah
3: I mean they were always bang up for it but then I, I you know I guess they were bang up for it that that team were bang up for it wherever they went weren't they really but you always got that feeling that they really relished coming to Chelsea and doing it being like the local um rivals but um I don't know we couldn't cope with them that the the first season they they got into the top flight they beat us 4-0 at home and it was like spanning although rugby was sent off after about four minutes of that game um and then yeah there was this um i think the season before um the season we were relegated sorry i think we had a one-all draw but they were down to nine men We, we couldn't beat them we really did have trouble with them at the bridge um but that day, they humiliated us.
0: They did. I mean, this is a pretty poor period. Having had such a really, really good start and being top in November, it all went a bit tits up, uh, you know, afterwards. Um, we drew a United 0-0. We drew a Southampton 2 all. But as I said, we got humped by Wimbledon 5-2 at home. Wimbledon.
2: Dennis Wise scored two fabulous goals. Uh, that's
0: right. And yeah. uh, then we had QPR away where we, where we lost 4-2. This was uh, Mickey Hazard's final game, actually. But the other interesting thing about this was that this was Erlen Jonsson's debut, and I think he had to go off for therapy after this to recover from what it was like to play for Chelsea yeah. in defence <laughs> uh, in in the league. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else notable I can say about it. I, I daren't ask Kelv about this, because probably, he probably still has nightmares about it. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, it hurt, that one. It
3: definitely yeah. hurt. Um, I have to say, um, Mark Falco, I know... Um, When he came to Chelsea, we we laugh about him. He he was absolutely atrocious. Atrocious, was But the goal he scored in that game, that 4-2 win for QPR, was an absolute worldie. It was,
0: it was. And uh, uh, Les Ferdinand scored too. I think that was his debut, actually.
3: Yeah. uh, I'd seen Ferdinand play against Chelsea in the reserves um, not long before this, I think. Um, And they'd beaten us at at the bridge. Was. Um, He was just like the big lad up front. Um, And it turned out it was Les Ferdinand. Um, And at the time, him scoring two goals on his his, um, debut for QPR might have seemed embarrassing, but with hindsight, you know, he was a hell of a striker. Chidge, JK, in all the
0: years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV Oh, chich! I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought
3: of missing my beloved Blue Boys live—it's <laughs> all too much. <laughs>
0: I know, J.K. I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it?
3: Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have. Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do. No more tears for you. Oh thank you, thank you, Nord VPN. I'm so happy I could cry. <laughs> Where do I
2: sign up, J?
0: Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to NordVPN.com forward slash Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's thirty day money back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com he 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 was and I, and i have to i have to be honest here and, and so i got to know les Oh God! Nearly fifteen years ago now, when I was doing a lot of programs, and he's one of the funniest and nicest blokes I've met in football. He is—he was is brilliant, and I ended up interviewing him quite a lot for all sorts of other programs I was doing. And of course, he knew I was a big Chelsea fan, and he's a big—a uh, big Spurs fan, would you believe? And he—and yeah. he, and he also comes from Hayes. So, uh, Jimmy Greaves is his hero. How about that? And, yeah, yeah, and uh, and but I do these interviews with with him, and he always wind me up about Chelsea. And I wind him up. He's a really lovely guy, but he was a hell of a player, I have to say.
2: Wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Um, well, I'll tell you. they were a fine side, Rangers at that time. They, they were. were. Yeah. Peter Reid mentioned it early earlier, yeah. Said,
0: didn't we? Sorry, Kelvin. You I
2: also there. say that I I I loved watching Wimbledon because they seemed to right, be you're, so. You're
0: banned. You're fired. I, but yeah, but I, <laughs> I
2: I loved them for all the reasons that that uh, that. I shouldn't love them. I I love the getting I loved away. Them. I love
0: them when they beat Liverpool on yeah. the FA Cup.
2: Yeah, indeed. Except I had money on them. <laughs> nice one, girl. <laughs> Brilliant. No, it was it was. I, I live as I say at the time. I was living around the corner, and um, I just liked the fact that they would turn people over by playing in a way that was completely alien to the way that everybody wanted to play. Yeah. And yet, people were to an extent lots of long balls and um whoever came in gale fashion all these other players there were there were certain players you just knew would put in a wonderful shift and dennis wise was absolutely brilliant and yes. and you know it was it was you could see that they they got something going for them that worked for them and it was and and you know Vinnie jones for all is was like a like a char- like, lots of them were like comedy villains stereotype villains mm. and yet it worked and so it was I, I loved the fact that people would be dismissive of them and yet they would they would beat somebody they shouldn't have beaten by being direct, aggressive and very fit. Very fit. Yeah. Team, you know, and, and I I couldn't I couldn't object to them. And then when they moved to Crystal Palace, um, because the ground was uh, Plough Lane was, was all over the place. I was working for LBC a lot and I got I got um, taken as a guest a lot to watch them and similarly i just so loved watching them i, I because of they were like the anti team of the time you know um but um it didn't stop me from obviously supporting my the team i loved but it was nice to see this bizarre football working you know you think well i have yeah. to
0: say you know what i mean i'm sorry calvin i know i know you wanted to come in but um yeah i mean i i do know what you mean i have to say as a as a as a self confessed massive fan of shithousery in football yeah. I can't I can not, not, you know, like Wimbledon at that time because they were the masters of shithousery. And, Absolutely. And I, and I love a bit of shithousery. Anyway, enough of me and shithousery. Calvin. what did you want to say?
3: But, I mean, we saw... I've got two stories there. One, well, two things to say. So one, I think we did see the benefit of the character they had in time, didn't we? Because, you know, Besant came in and he was a big, big character. Wisey came in and, and did you know, miracles with Chelsea, didn't he? Yeah. And Vinnie Jones, you know, came in and proved himself to be a marginally better player than we all thought he was, but a huge influence as well. But the other funny thing is we've spoken about two people here and I'm starting to question myself now because we've spoken about Les Ferdinand and we've spoken about Billy Jones and I've had rows with both of them. So, <laughs> so you... <laughs> I wonder if there's something about me and not them.
0: <laughs> I can't believe that. I cannot believe that.
3: <laughs> they happen, but they're not to have on uh, to discuss on air. That's for sure. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um,
0: I think I think it was Mark last week who was talk- was it was it Mark? Me- Am I getting confused between you and Mark me in here? Because one of you did an article, well, it was you, wasn't it, Kelv? Ooh about you what you were going to write an article you did an interview for uh, Fashionu oh yeah yeah and Vinnie J- that was it Vinnie Jones told yeah. you to fuck off because you were a wanker or something it was, like, yeah. it was very funny when it was you it, that it, told it wasn't it yeah.
3: yeah he told me if I wanted to go to Wimbledon and finish off the interview with Fashionu yeah. to make sure I was told out <laughs> that's right absolute <laughs> arsehole Uh,
0: anyway um, back to back to the season that was was 1989 90 um after losing to qpr uh, peter nicholas is out injured with a cartilage op Uh, jukebox returns to face liverpool at home where having just lost at home 5-2 to wimbledon who were playing in red we then lose again to a team in red 5-2 but i tell you what having watched this back i couldn't bring myself to watch the entire they've got the whole match up there I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just watched the highlights. Um, but it wasn't... A, I mean, you know, we scored an amazing goal with a jury-free kick. And as I said earlier on, Liverpool basically uh, were going long and, and hitting us on the break with some breathtaking breakaway goals. Uh, Besson saves Mulby's penalty. But I have to say, Liverpool were untouchable. They do end up being champions this year. But the thing, again, that, that, that caught my eye was the fact that Kerry scores uh, to make it 5-2. So we're 5-1 down at the time, Kelvin. And he doesn't even celebrate. Nah. Mark well, of the man. Mark of the man. Own
3: more or less a known goal anyway, wasn't it? I mean, Grobola threw it in really, didn't he? I yeah, did true. bounce back off the post, and, yeah. Um, to be honest, they absolutely outclassed us that day. Absolutely ripped us to pieces. Um, and they were ruthless. Their finishing was was just sensational. Um, yeah, we were we were way out of our depth that day. Yeah,
0: they were good, weren't they? Um, yeah. We then uh, go uh, well. We then play Palace, I think, uh, away. Oh no, we got uh, West Ham in the zenith data. More of that later. Next league match uh, is Palace away. We're now well, We're now I think after the Liverpool match we're in seventh. Um, I mean, this was the Palace of Right and Bright who uh, end up I think getting to the Cup Final this year, don't they, Kelv? Was it next year? Yeah, they did. It is yeah, this year, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, so they were actually not a bad side. and uh, in Mike fact, was great. Yeah. Mike was
2: fantastic. Well, for he, he scored.
0: Yeah. He scored. Um, but the interesting thing from our point of view uh, is that a certain Graham Lasso, who came on uh, in the second half uh, to replace Johnny B, he he scores his first goal for Chelsea. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Is that all you've got to say yes. about that?
2: Yep, lovely yep. volley. Yeah. Yep, I was very pleased. I'm a great lasso Um I'm a great I'm not great anything. I'm a big Lasso fan. And uh,
0: uh What? Oh he's frozen. At
2: Chelsea oh, after. No, he's back.
0: Sorry, oh, say oh, that again. You froze, mate. You're a great Lasso yeah. fan?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm a big Lasso fan, yeah. I thought um he's telling my internet connection's unstable. We know that. Um uh a, a nice volley and it was uh at the time you don't know, you're evaluating somebody and thinking he's a pretty good little player. Let's see what happens. And of course he would be destined to become one of the stalwarts of the uh, the late nineties Chelsea side. Brilliant Chelsea side.
0: Um as I said, interestingly enough, having having come back for Liverpool jury was injured again. Uh we went 3-0 at Luton, uh which was uh, Kerry enjoyed that one immensely against his his his, you know, boyhood club. Uh, and then we on a bloody plastic pitch, plastic bloody pitch plastic yeah. Pitch. yeah. Um, we also uh, follow that up on New Year's Day. I think it was New Year's Day. Uh, yes, it was New Year's Day with a 3 0 home defeat to uh, Villa, who are actually, um, you know, doing quite well this season, I believe. Um, what uh, what piqued my interest with this uh, Kelvin on the commentary was the fact that uh, Martin Tyler says of Roberts who took about a 10 years to get back uh to to track somebody back says uh Roberts was sluggish in his pursuit and i mean you know in the cup match uh no there was another match later on where he was equally uh uh here we go we we lose to Coventry 3-2 later in the season and he, and he says Roberts is in trouble uh, a soft centre at the back for Chelsea. I mean, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, you know, there's a bit of a ding dong with 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 Roberts later, but he was his age and lack of pace was really beginning to tell this season, wasn't it, Kelv? I think
3: absolutely. Um, he was he looked he was great in that second division season. Um, but making the step up to the top flight, he was he was a different player, and when it started to go pear shaped, um it wouldn't be fair to point the finger at one person, but that December period where we conceded all those goals, he was at the root of that problem. He was at the heart of the problem. His legs had gone. Um, I, whether it was that injury from, from the the Groves tackle that he just couldn't come back from. Yeah. But point. he was at this point now, he was an old cart horse and um, it, Basically, they stuck with him because he was the captain, or, or sorry, he wasn't the captain at this stage, was he? But he was like the coach. Um, he was obviously a, a, a leader on the pitch. Uh, and that was keeping him in the team. But the team really suffered for having him there. Mm-hmm.
0: They did indeed. I mean, the interesting thing is, actually, I mean, you know, with with the wonder of, you know, 30 years of hindsight, um, I think this season, we, you know, once Roberts kind of basically was supplanted by Johnson. We, we've got, or Johnson, as I should say, we we had, a I think, had a really solid defence. You know, Besson at the back, England international. Stevie Clark, right back, Scotland international. Ken Monkoo, uh, I'm not sure if he was a Dutch international, but I would, wouldn't be surprised. Erlen Jonson was a Norwegian international. We had Tony Dorigo as a left back, who was an England international too. That's a pretty good defence in my book, Kelv.
3: Yeah, and there was David Lee in there as well. Yep. He often played three yep. at the back. And and David Lee was actually an accomplished footballer. He was a good footballer. Very unlucky that he was kind of very um he was a utility player. And and I think utility players can often be quite unlucky because they can never get pigeonholed pigeonholed into what is their ideal position so like Darren, David Darren said, Wood
2: suffered from that exactly the same thing I
3: think Darren Wood suffered from a lot Jonathan to be <laughs> honest. I, think, I think we suffered a lot from him as well <laughs> <laughs> I knew him and he was a lovely bloke but he wasn't a footballer <laughs> Sharon you Sharon yeah. yeah but but I think David Lee was actually a very talented um accomplished footballer but he was a good defender he was a good midfielder He'd pop up on the wing like he did at Derby and go on an amazing run. And he kind of got played around in different positions. um, And I don't think that really benefited him.
0: No, indeed. Um, Did he start
2: playing Clive Wilson at fullback when Dorigo was injured? He did that as well. I have a memory of that. uh, Yeah, he
3: would have done, yeah. Because Clive Wilson, when he was at Man City, when we signed him, was... that 83-84 season, Clive Wilson marked Pat Nevin in the game up there. And he was the first player to give Nevin a game that season. It was like two games from the end or three games from the end of the season. Right, right, um, right. Finally, there was somebody who actually could defend against him. Um, but then when we played him in the League Cup, he played in midfield the following season. He he could do either. So if Dorigo was injured, yeah, Clive Wilson would generally fall back into into that position.
0: Indeed. Um we uh, moving swiftly along. Uh, we we uh, we managed to beat the mighty crew Alexander. Or was it Alexandra? I never remember. It's Alexandra, isn't it? Two 0 yeah, in the first yeah. round of the FA Cup. Uh, We had. I mean, of course, we you know we we can't do it without a bloody replay. They draw one or with us first at the bridge. Um, And just to move swiftly along, I, I'm going to skip over Charlton very quickly, where we we beat them three one at home. um, Where uh, I can tell you that my mate Mortz gets an assist again. uh, and uh, and Kerry scores. I mean, you know, we talked about some of the superb goals he scored this season, Kelvin. This one, I thought, was just an absolute peach. He chips it from the edge of the box. Brilliant goal.
3: Fantastic goal. And the way he gets away from um, Tommy Caton and, and skips past a, a couple of defenders before he chips it as well. I mean, like pure speed, athleticism, um, strength. I mean, Caton's gone in to, to do him. He, he's gone in really high on him, but Kerry's managed to sort of shake him off. And then the finish was sublime. Yeah, it really was a top quality goal.
0: Yeah,
3: I ask a
2: last question here. Was it? Was this the season that Steve Bull was being chosen for England? Yeah. It, well, because I, it I felt that was a complete. We're gonna. Um, can
0: we? we I want to talk about that later. Is that all right?
2: Uh, no, no, it's not. Yes, of course. Can I also <laughs> ask? Can I also ask, um, 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 uh, Wasn't um, wasn't Mickey Hazard sold to Portsmouth?
0: He was hundred grand, wasn't it? Yeah, around that time. That's that's do putting want, an do you, end... want to, do you want to give a eulogy to Mickey Hazard because I know you love him.
2: Well, no, I just wanted to say that's going putting an end to uh, uh a player who should have flourished and in a different era would have the team would have been built around him.
0: Well, he did. He got reincarnated as Eden Hazard about 20 years later, didn't he, of
2: course. <laughs> Of course he did. I've got, I've got been, a good. I didn't realise he had French connections. Yeah,
0: it was basically, you know, Eden Hazard got shot of the uh, the Harpo Marx wig, and and uh, he became Eden Hazard. But I've got a great Mickey Hazard story, by the way. When I was working at Nuts TV, we used to get a, an ex-player on as a guest on our Friday show, and uh, I got Mickey Hazard on uh, because you know I, I liked him when he played for Chelsea. I managed to conveniently forget about the Spurs nonsense, um, and uh, he turned up um, about two hours before he was due to appear you know and i get him in about an hour early half an hour early for a, for a, for a record and he turned up and i said mate you know it's we're not on air for like 2 hours and he's, he's a big Geordie lad. And he goes, ah, yeah, well, you know, I was in my cub and I was driving past. So I thought, just put, you know. So, and I said, well, all right. Okay. I said, well, look, you know, what are you going to do? He said, well, don't worry. I'll, he said, I'll go out and do a few more jobs and I'll come back in an hour. <laughs> and, that's, and he literally, he, he was in a, he was in a gray hoodie, uh, pair of jeans, white trainers, of course. Uh, you know, basically uh, owning, owning his Tottenham roots. Uh and 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 some massive chunky gold jewelry. He was brilliant. He was a lovely, lovely bloke. I have to say, it's such a shame he's so hateful about Chelsea on Twitter these days because he's actually a really nice bloke and a bloody good it footballer.
3: Divides <laughs> opinion, Chidge. I don't think everyone's got the same opinion as as, as you of Mickey Hazard the person. Not not just those of us who've um, encountered him on Twitter. I've got a, a friend, an old friend actually. I've got to be honest, I haven't seen him for a few years. Who either does or used to work at Spurs um, on the medical staff. Uh, I've got to be very careful, because you never know, you might hear this, so I don't (laughs) want to implicate them. But this guy... Allegedly. 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 (laughs) allegedly, (laughs) But this guy was saying to me one time that... um, he liked everybody at Spurs, he supported Spurs, he said he liked all of the staff, all the people that that came. he came into contact down there, down there. he said, except for one, he said, Mickey Hazard, um, he said, he is the most arrogant prick, and I can't stand him, he said he's always got to argue about everything, and he's a troublemaker, um, so I, I, I think that different people have different opinions of uh, Mickey Hazard. I just actually called him Hazard, which I really shouldn't do because he doesn't deserve to be named alongside Eden. Kelvin, because,
2: it's interesting because it might mean that, that if he wasn't a likeable character, that may have influenced
3: the, the the selection. Well, I think so. I mean, if you look at when we signed him. It wasn't very long before he started going to the to the press about how unhappy he was and handed in transfer requests. It would only been there a few months at Chelsea before he handed in his first transfer request, and he was, what was he there for three seasons or so? And the majority of that time, he seemed to be on the transfer list, you know, by uh, you know of his own volition. I think he was trouble. To be fair, I don't think that he he did himself any favours behind the scenes.
0: I'd love to talk, see. I mean, this is the kind of thing you need to phone up your old Chelsea mates and go, "Oh, what was he like? Was he a bit of an arsehole? And then they'll say yes, and, yes. Then, and then we and then we can never publish it for obvious reasons. <laughs> but, but we'll know, we'll know, and that's all that matters. Um, right? I kind of like step, stepped back because we had to mention Kerry's goal against Chel, but we 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 can't uh, let the uh, I'm, no pun intended, but we can't let the uh, defeat in the fourth round of the FA Cup away to Bristol City of the third division slip. Uh, we did mention, uh, we did mention Besant's error. I think we can call it an error, though I think it might be a bit harsh. But uh, uh, I, and I also mentioned uh, on the, the commentary was digging out Graham Roberts a lot, and uh, uh, there was uh, there we go. Chelsea have contrived to commit suicide, I says uh, Tony Gubber, as Roberts misses the tackle. I mean, my I mean, it was terrible conditions, Kelvin. I know it was filthy, filthy weather, but it yeah. looked to me. You know, I wasn't there. Uh, no surprise, but it looked to me watching the highlights that we we just weren't up for it in horrible no. conditions, were we?
3: No, we weren't. It was it was a horrible day all round. If from start to finish that day was just grim. Um, from the point of coming out the station and jumping on the buses to the ground and being attacked, um, I mean, it was probably the the most probably the most frightened I've been at football, but wow. I was there on me, and there was proper, proper blokes, um, you know, like Br- Bristol City's firm were were, were quite handy. And um, yeah, it was really intimidating and getting onto the terrace and watching people coming in covered in blood. I mean, like people, the story that people were being, picked off in ones and twos and being absolutely battered. The guy who used to be an EastEnders who, who used to come to Chelsea, I think he played a guy, a, a, a bloke called Rod in EastEnders, like a punky sort of guy he used to be a regular at Chelsea. He got in the papers cause he got a good kick in there. It was proper nasty. Um, and then the game itself was, yeah, we weren't up for it. It was absolutely shocking. Um, they, we were well beaten and, um, to be honest that should have been the last time graham roberts captained chelsea because he um he slapped lasso um around the head on the pitch and no chelsea captain, no no captain full stop of any club should be slapping their youngsters um you know publicly and and he should have been stripped of the captaincy that day but he was always a bully um but yeah it was just a bad bad day the only the only upside to it was that when we left the ground the num- Chelsea had such big numbers that Bristol City didn't seem to fancy it quite so much. So we made our way back a lot safer than we did making our way into the ground. But it was a horrible day, and I- I'm still drying out from it now. Yeah. It was it was so wet and grim.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard stories of that. Um, to compound our misery, we then lose another two games in the league. Uh, we lose to Coventry uh, away, three-two. Uh, and then uh, the worst of all, we have Tottenham at home. Remember Tottenham, fairly decent side. Uh, Venables is the manager. They've got Gascoigne, Lineker uh, and uh, Naeem from the halfway line, would you believe? All sorts of players. Gary Mabbitt's still there. Uh, anyway, we lose, uh, we lose 2-1 to Spurs at home. And um, more Keystone cops defending. And... Uh, David Howell scores, Bummers equalises, decent goal by Bummers, and then Lineker seals it. Uh, But the noteworthy point about this, this 2-1 defeat to Spurs at the bridge was the last time we would lose to Spurs in the league until 2006. And the last time we'll lose to them at the bridge until 2018. So I think we got the last laugh somewhat. (laughs) Um, I also have to confess here at the time that... um, I I uh, I used to play cricket a lot. Uh, I was still going back to Hampshire a lot actually at the weekends. Therefore, not not doing as much of the football this season. Um, and I was playing cricket for the local the local kind of village team down here where I grew up. And one of my mates who played for that team was a really good mate of David Howells. And David Howells would quite often come down and have a few pints and watch the cricket. And uh, I I think I remember being very rude to him about scoring that goal against us at the bridge. And was uh, was admonished for that. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah, horrible lose to Spurs. But I think we got the last laugh on that. The next match against Forest, um, I don't know if, if either of you were there, but, you know, almost like the last hurrah for Graham Roberts because he goes all Maradona and runs from the halfway line, beats a few players and absolutely wallops the goal in for a 1-1 draw against Forest. Either of you two remember that?
2: Yes, I do. It was because it was um, – I remember saying at the time, oh, there, there's – there's life in the old dog yet. Um, it was phenomenal. But uh, he wasn't playing well.
0: Well, funnily enough, funnily enough JK, uh, I mean, actually, you know, by this time we're we're now eighth in the league. This is the 17th of March. That's the lowest we'll be all season. And and about four or five days later on the 22nd, he resigns as coach. Now, I don't know if Kelvin knows too much about this. He plays his, his last match in a, in a ZDS match against Palace. Um, but I don't know if Kelvin knows too much about this, but but from what I understand, there were some huge there were some contractual issues uh around this. Apparently he was promised a property or something which never never came. And I think Chelsea actually got done by the FA for a regular contractual issues or something. Kelvin, do you know much about that?
3: I mean really what what you're saying about it to be honest, it was he, he definitely came up with some accusations about being promised a property. Um, that was never forthcoming. Um, and there was, you know, the way he went about it did appear that I think Swindon had possibly been renegated the season before for a similar offence. And it did seem that maybe he was trying to... Um, did the same to Chelsea, so it didn't go down too well with the fans. the the, the way that he went about his business, but I don't know. I mean, I only really knew what I read in the papers, and you, hear, you heard his side, you heard Bates' side, but who was telling the truth? I don't know.
0: Mm, interesting stuff. JK, you okay?
2: Yeah, no, I just, I just, just um, was bemused by uh, the rumor that went round at the time about him, um, as to it. Obviously, he'd fallen out with Bates in some way. Um, but I thought it was uh, it was kind of typical of Bates just trying to get rid of him. So Bates had obviously decided that he wasn't, didn't want him in the club anymore. So there would be some kind of, of nefarious way of, of concocting something to get him out. Um, that, I, I just always felt that was, you know, that was in, in Bates's arsenal somewhere. If he'd signed a contract with him. And he didn't want to honour the contract. Bates would come up with allegedly. Bates would come up with something uh, um, that would uh, that would string it out in some way. As you say, his his brilliant ability with um, with Cabra, which was brilliant, I have to say, to to prevent Cabra from from taking the club over, was uh, was also applied to other um, contracts and business business situations. I've heard. I've got a couple of friends who. Became, became found that the sticky side of Bates was not something to be involved with. Um, but um,
0: the sticky side of Master Bates.
2: Yeah, hey, hey, you're <laughs> clever, Chidge, clever, clever, clever. Come um, on,
0: it's not a Chelsea fan cast without a knob gag of some variety, is it? Let's be honest.
2: Oh, was that a knob gag? Well, oh. kind
0: of, if you think about it.
2: Yeah, no, I was trying to be um, um, je in, je in
0: je suicide.
2: Je jeune.
0: yeah, that too. Um, anyway, back to the football. Uh, we uh, we our, our form picks up, funnily enough, after Graham Roberts resigns. I'm sure that's just that's simply coincidental. Uh, but uh, Gareth Hall, uh, bless him, Gareth Hall's playing a bit more now as well. But he puts in uh, Kerry's goal-bound shot for a one-nil win against United. Isn't it also because
2: Steve Clark is injured? Sorry to interrupt you. Isn't Steve Clark injured at this time? Uh, I um, don't.
0: I don't know. Kelvin, is that was that the
3: no, case? No, I'm, I'm not sure. Whether he was injured and then couldn't get his place back, but I think Steve Clark was really unhappy at this at this point about being replaced by Gareth Hall because the World Cup was coming up and he was concerned that he was going to lose his place because of it. He might even have asked for the transfer. Wow, I've got a feeling.
0: Last game he's played is the Spurs defeat. He's not. He doesn't play against Forest or Palace. Uh, Gareth Hall is instead uh, Garrison against. Uh, United, Southampton, Norwich, Palace, Arsenal, City, Middlesbrough and the ZDS, Derby, Louis
2: yeah. Villa say, think, Palace, a...
0: hang on, I haven't finished yet. Oh, Liverpool, sorry. Everton, he's not back in for the rest of the season. Wow. I well, didn't realise that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Good. I just wondered because I actually thought that he was a much better player than Gareth Hall. But um he Gareth Halls genius. a
0: midfield genius, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where were we? Yeah, well, Gareth Hall does score actually. Um, against United, uh, although you know some conjectures to it would have gone in anyway from Kerry. The interesting thing about that that is our first win over United at home since 1973, which astonished me. Um, also, United are a bit worried about relegation. Mm. They're in 16th. This is the this is the Nadir of the Ferguson era. Where if they hadn't beaten Forrest in the cup, he would have uh, he would have probably got sacked. So yes. there you go. So uh, and,
2: and this was when there weren't the, the, it wasn't full at at Stamford Bridge for for this game, which as I said earlier used to be no mate twenty nine thirty
0: thousand in there.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 much and lower than and this, they man. only had yeah they had about three thousand there. You know, United always bring thousands down. That was the only time I recall them not bringing. A decent amount down to us,
0: yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, they were funny times, you know. I think for crowds, in in those, I mean, remember, this is also post Hillsborough. I wonder if that had, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, <clears throat> gone old Bob Fleming. Uh, I wonder if that had had, a, had an effect. I think it, I think it may well have done. Um, we we beat Southampton away, uh, which in those days was not a bad result because they were a decent side. Um, Dorigo and Jury score. Uh, in fact, Southampton include a very young Alan Shearer. Uh, we then draw uh, draw 0-0 against Norwich at home with Kelvin uh, Fleck showing some very early Chelsea form, albeit for Norwich. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, um, but then I think he came come back the following season and showed his knowledge form against us and tore us to pieces, didn't oh, yeah, he? But true. it was a bad miss, that one. It in, was. In
0: Bottom line is, the upshot is is that we're now up to fifth again, uh, and we, we continue that good form with a brilliant 1-0 uh, away to the Arsenal, uh, where Johnny Bumstead scores a great goal on his 300th league appearance, always good beating Arsenal in those days. Cause of course they were the champions and the cock, the, the, the kind of the cock of the North or the, uh, the top team in London at the time. In fact, actually it was really Spurs and them duking it out. But I, I always loved beating Arsenal, but good old bummers, 300 appearances actually such an underrated player for us. Um, yeah. Now in and around this time, uh, I've deliberately not mentioned this at all. Um, and the, I think there's a, the, there's possibly quite indicative really, but um On March the uh, 21st, uh, sorry, no, what am I talking about? March the 25th, Sunday, March the 25th, Chelsea play in the Zenith Data Systems Cup final against Middlesbrough. Now, of course, this was the rebranded full members cup, which we won in 1986. And uh, our road to Wembley, as it were, we'd beaten Bournemouth away, uh, West Ham at home, Ipswich Town away, and Palace home and away in the semi-final, uh, and you know, I think it's. Real, I think what I'm trying to say is really interesting. Everybody goes potty about the 1986 four members cup win, don't they, Kelv? Still, apart from yeah. Jonathan, and
2: I nobody. I went though, Jig. I, uh, went though, I, I know, go. but
0: when we covered it, you were all very well. well you know, it wasn't a. I know, cup I know, I,
2: I was, I was. completely
0: you were all misery about it i remember it's only a few weeks ago yeah but the point is you know everybody does go potty about it apart from you but nobody really this this is kind of like almost been airbrushed out of history and and i i think that's a bit of a shame really a trophy's a trophy kelv
3: yeah um i'm probably on the other side of it i'm another one who's probably airbrushed it out a little bit it was it never had the same um punch that the 86 one did probably simply because it was so long since we played at Wembley in 86. And it was now just sort of four years later. Um, I don't recall a great deal about the game. I remember when I, mean, I was there, obviously um, there was a bigger crowd there. Uh, Middlesbrough brought a lot down. Um, and, and I remember going absolutely loopy when the goal went in, but I also recall that it was, it was a poor game. Not yeah. a lot really happened. Um, and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sort of like uh, pull at my heartstrings the same way that the 86 one does.
0: No, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, were you, I presume you were there, JK?
2: No, I had no interest in it at no all. No
0: way, you're such a misery. Mind absolute, you, I wasn't either, so I can hardly talk.
2: Absolute misery, Guts. I had no interest in the competition, didn't go to any of the games, and refused to go to the final. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, well manufactured not proper... Something that, you know, was, it was a minor cup and uh, who cares? That's what I thought. Not proper.
3: Kel? You missed the treat in the West Ham game, though. The West Ham game was absolutely sensational. It was just, just before Christmas, um, we played them and we were 2-0 up. And then in the second half, I think they scored three and went 3-2 up. And with three minutes to go, they're still winning 3-2. And they brought a few boys across, as you can imagine, with West Ham. Um, and and their an gold accident. sovereign rings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and the big earrings. Um, but yeah, but in, the, um, in the last couple of minutes, we scored twice and beat them 4-3, and it was actually a cracking game. Yeah,
0: well, there you go. I have to say, I mean, you know, the two notable, because it was a dull match, really. It was a classically tense uh, final, really. Um, and uh, two moments of note. are One, uh, Slavin, I mean, how he didn't score, I don't know. Well, I do know, because Peter Nicholas... Literally just booted it off of his toe at the last minute, and it whizzed past. Uh, and then Tony Dorrego won it with a superb free kick, which he kind of bends uh, round the wall into the uh, the right hand side of the goal. His left looking at it, uh, and we won one nil. I think I think the one thing that I would do, you know what? I mean, thinking about this, bit of kind of reflection on this, bit of hindsight. My my overriding feeling about this was that I was really really pleased for. Kerry actually to get a medal in a Wembley final playing for Chelsea because of course he missed he missed the uh, the full members cup when against city and i think i think Johnny B might have uh, i don't know i can't remember if Johnny B was missing in in the 86 but i have a suspicion no, he probably he, plays, missed, he did play he played, didn't he yeah yeah i mean i bloody talked to him about it you would have thought i'd remember but uh <laughs> yeah you know and i think that's my overriding thing really kelv i was really pleased for Kerry to get a, a, at least you know, uh, some. You know, I mean, I know he got a Division Two winners' medal, but to get this, I think, you know, a, a Wembley final, you know, even if it is a Mickey Mouse Cup, to, to kind of win something was good for him. What do you think?
3: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. It was, um, but on, on the other side of that, it's interesting. You know, from what Jonathan says, there, if you speak to Kerry about his greatest Wembley moment, it's the Luton semi-final, isn't it? And the yeah. and the response from the Chelsea fans, rather than the the Members' Cup, the uh, ZDS Cup. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it was great that he won. He didn't have a good game that day, I remember. Um, and The other thing I would say from that game, actually, is that Peter Nicholas stood up really well that day and we saw some benefit from... Uh, so we saw what he could bring to the team. I know he didn't do it on a regular enough basis um, for for us, but um, that day he, he had a really good game. He was man of the match that day. Um, but, yeah, it was great. I mean, Kerry was the one, I think, that more than any we wanted to see have a bit of success and I think we probably would have loved him to have been the guy who scored the winning goal but um yeah that didn't happen but yeah it was good that he got this his winner's medal. So
0: there we go uh you know uh, our second trophy at, at Wembley and well done Peter Nicholas um so we're kind of getting into the uh, denouement of the league uh and we're still in a in a good position actually um we go into the match against Derby uh the weekend after we're in sixth. uh we draw one one we beat Luton one nil and then with uh, something like... Uh, we're 11 points off uh, Liverpool, who are, who are on top. Uh, and then we who we also have to play. And we have to play Villa, who is second away, Liverpool away, and then Palace, who are the cup finalists. We lose to Villa. As I said earlier on, Cascarino fires a shot, which uh, Besant parries, and I think uh, Gordon Cowans gets the mm. rebound. Uh, and we beat Palace. I mean, this is the really weird thing. I, I forgot all about this. Uh, we we play Palace and uh, we beat them three 0 They're the they're the uh, the cup finalists. They go go and play United and give them a real game actually. Um, but we gave them a guard of honour, Kelvin. We gave them a guard of honour, including Stamford the flaming lion.
3: What is going on? I bet we were all booing then. It wasn't quite so. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't also friendly back in those days, was it? So I bet those of us who were in the ground were booing that um yeah I I don't know I think maybe it got what we wanted out of them because I think with their guard of honour and the fact they were protecting themselves for Wembley they just sort of fell apart and rolled over that day
0: well O'Reilly uh you know got sent off for two horrible ugly uh tackles on poor old Gordon Jury I mean he just took him out it was horrible
2: horrendous the first one first one looked like a sending off yeah exactly
0: Mm. and uh and Graham Stewart uh makes it 3-0 on his debut which is interesting um then we have the uh, the Liverpool match where I- I'm afraid to say, I I, I mean, you know, I-, I don't think it was a humping like the 5-2, but we did get a bit of a humping again. Um, made worse in my book for the odious Steve Nicholl scoring 2-0. One thing that... Um, well, two things really that come out of this game for me, really. One is that you can... Audibly hear Chelsea supporters, as you so often do at Anfield, going Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. He's in grace, yeah. When they're four nil down, Mark. It was Hugh. wonderful. Yeah. The other thing is, is, is the you know the the goal that Kerry scores uh, on the ninetieth uh, minute consolation goal, obviously, but it was brilliant. I mean, he he basically gave. I think it was. Um, I, I I thought it was Gary Ablett actually. Uh, yeah, it was Gary Ablett. I think it was either Gillespie or Ablett and Ablett came on for Gillespie on the 79th minute, but he, he basically gave him twisted blood in it when he turned him and he wallops it past Grobler. Bloody great goal again uh, by Kerry Kelvin.
3: Yeah, it was a cracking goal. Wasn't it? And like you said at the, at the start of the show, really, you know, it was, the goals he scored that season, the variety of, of goals. Again, it was a it was a different one to the to the normal sort of Kerry goal, wasn't it? Really? You know, it's a neat piece of football the way he turned, the way he took the ball and then slid it past uh Grubbler. And um it was interesting to see the cop so many fans oh it's easy when you're 4 0 up, but so many fans on the cop applauding the goal as well. Uh which again wouldn't happen now, 4 0 up or not. Yeah, no, it's very But um, very true. but yeah, no, it was it was a cracking goal and he was he had just hit this great run of form at the end of the season
0: he he did I mean he he then scores against Everton uh in fact scores two against Everton uh interestingly enough Pat Nevin scores uh for them Uh, and he scores this brilliant hat trick away to Millwall um perfect hat trick in fact header then right foot and left foot uh quite brilliant um and he ends up with 25 goals that season uh we end up in fifth uh which I'll talk about in a minute but I mean, the think the thing and and I did talk to him about this. What well, you'll hear from him hear from him in a minute about this. But given that we're months away from uh, Italia 90, um I mean, okay, Gary Lineker as we know, superb striker for England, he'd got the golden boot, I think didn't he in 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 86. Um you know, it's going to always going to be hard to dislodge him from England's number 9. But, you know, England takes Steve Bull, who's playing in the second division for Wolves. I cannot understand, given that it was Bobby Robson who gave Kerry his debut a few years beforehand, I cannot understand, Kelvin, why Kerry didn't get a call-up for England. It just makes no sense. He's looking, I think, as I said, as good as he ever has done, I think even better, because I think his all-round game has improved he looks, he looks class, and I cannot understand why he didn't get the nod, and Steve Ball did. Because Steve Ball was a bloody cart
3: horse, frankly. <laughs> I think that's harsh on Steve Ball, actually. I, I think it's think harsh Steve on Ball...
0: cart horses, mate. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I mean I thought Steve Ball was a, was a good player who, um, obviously, a, a, a touch of the mat. He, he, he was at the club that he loved. Um, didn't have the, the the drive to to go and move somewhere else where he'd have probably won some trophies and, and such. But I thought he was a good, accomplished striker. Um, and I think he was a top-flight striker playing below top flight. Um, the, the thing with Bobby Robson, Bobby Robson, um, and not going I'm not slagging the guy off, obviously. He's an absolute legend in the game and one of the greatest managers, you know, as, as a person as well. Um, but he clearly never really rated Kerry. And he, he picked Kerry late, you know. Initially, um, he picked Kerry... The best part of a year later that he should have given him his first go. Um, and he never really trusted Kerry and, and it wasn't long before he decided he'd given him enough chances. Um this season, a little bit devil's advocate here, maybe obviously obviously I wanted Kerry to get the call ahead of Steve Ball. Um, but Kerry was never really talked about until the last couple of weeks of the season. And it was like, he was coming up on the rails. He wasn't really considered as a potential World Cup 90 player until literally going into April um, that, that year. Um, he scored seven goals in the last four games. He scored in each of those games and he got seven in total. And I just recall the Sunday papers after the Millwall game being full of Dixon's gonna get the call for the England squad. He's He's timed this perfectly. But I think it would have been incredibly harsh on Steve Ball, having been there for a year or so, playing or being in the squad regularly for Robson to drop him. And I am saying that partly as devil's advocate, because I wouldn't have given a shit if he had, because I (laughs) wanted Kerry to be picked. But, But it would have been harsh as well. And the other thing is, He'd have taken, if he'd have taken Kerry to Italy, the same as with Steve Bolt, he wouldn't have got a game anyway.
0: Exactly that. I mean, there is always that, which is a fair point, but I just think it's a shame because I think he'd earned it. Jonathan, you got anything to say about that?
2: I thought the media drove the whole thing, actually, chid. since you mentioned it. (laughs) Muskrat. Um, that's a that's a very old cartoon character. How did you, you
0: go from Forrest Gump to Muskrat? i don't know,
2: you are you are a
0: genius, aren't you? Really? <laughs> no,
2: I wouldn't say that. I'm a bit of a dick, I think. Um, <laughs> um, I would uh, say that. I thought actually. he was. Uh, I thought that Bull was a kind of um, that was a media creation, and um, that he originally was in the third division, wasn't he? Uh, no, so you're right. So yeah, third division. They were are playing, yeah, playing and. Uh, just because he could bang the ball in from all angles, he got embraced and the media went, why not pick this player? He's great. He bore no relation to Kerry. Kerry was far, far more skillful, had a far better, better nose for a goal and was streets ahead of him. But he got driven by this kind of rom- romantic view of let's get a player from the third division playing for England. Yes, despite the fact that the reason he was banging goals in left, right, and centre because he was playing in the sodding third division, um, and he was, as you say, Kelvin, uh, probably um, decent first division standard. But I, I, you know, and I'm afraid, you know, I, I, I was slightly on the bandwagon. You're thinking, yes, come on, can he do it? Isn't this amazing? Rather than thinking it through and actually thinking. Actually, no. Come on, he's really not good enough. And Kerry, for me, was streets ahead of him. And it was, uh, it was just something that Kerry didn't play well enough at the, at the right time of the season. I felt this season. I think he had a couple of, of as you say, a couple of uh, he had a
0: bit, a few dips, didn't he? lips yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. And I think that that did for him. But the, great run, no, great run you know, at
0: the end, though, JK. Yeah, That's, brilliant. Yeah. But
2: no comparison to me. Mm-hmm. Bull was just a, a, a had a big shot, and that was about it. Well, you know.
0: Right, just to wrap all this up, um, uh, we had we finished fifth, obviously, which is uh, you know the best finish we'd had since nineteen seventy. Would you believe? And we would not better that for another eight years until nineteen ninety eight. So, you know, again, it's really weird. Everybody remembers eighty eight, eighty nine, but I think eighty nine, ninety really needs to get a lot more credit than it deserves because that's that's really good in any you know in in, in seasons uh, not too uh, you know. Recent, you know fairly recently that of course would have got us into Europe in those days of course uh we were only just about being let back into Europe thanks to Heisel uh so therefore we we didn't get into Europe Liverpool were champions as I said uh, last time they'd won it until uh this year uh United were the cup winners um our our player of the season I think in a in a weird sense quite fittingly it wasn't Kerry you, you who I don't think actually ever ever did win uh no, he didn't. In, which is remarkable in itself. But this year it was won by Ken Moncaw, And I, in a way, I think that's quite deserved. As I said earlier on, I thought we had a really good defence. Besant, Clark, Stroke, Hall, Moncaw, Johnson, Dorigo. And and lovely to see uh, Ken get it. I mean, I don't remember much about it at the time. I don't know if you two do, but uh, Kelvin?
3: Yeah, I, I do remember. I think he deserved it. I think he had a good season. But it was significant as well um, in, in that it was the first. he was the first black player to, to get the player of, of the year at Chelsea, um, and it came very, you know, relatively soon after the Paul Cannaville, uh, Keith Jones, Keith Dublin stuff, you know, of the of the mid eighties. Yeah. Um, so it did signify a change, the change in times. Um, it was it was it was good a that it happened. In a way. It was a statement, yeah, uh, but it had no- that had nothing to do with the actual vote. I mean, it was he was voted. On merit. on merit, yeah. He was a very good player and a very, very good guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, we talked about Kerry getting 25 goals in all competitions. Kevin Wilson got 20 goals, had an excellent season. Let us not forget. we have
2: yeah, spoken about him, actually, uh, very much this season. We, we haven't.
0: Was... and let's, Now is the time to do it, JK.
2: Yeah, I'd like to. Thank you very much. Um, uh, very good six-yard Box player, very skillful, could um, was given the opportunity a lot. As I was saying earlier, by um, large, huge kicks from Besant, which actually contributed to many goals. Just because, and even throwouts. Besant's other excellent aspect, similar to Bonetti, was his distribution. Very quick, quick-minded, and get the ball out to the wing or whatever. And the ball would be hoisted in, and frequently Kerry would get up there and flick it on. And Wilson was the kind of player. They, they number of times he lobbed the goalkeeper because the ball had been presented to him so beautifully just in front of the, uh, near the centre half, but the centre half couldn't make a challenge. And he was very skillful, also very good at doing runs, very, very um, speedy, to use the same uh, a word for somebody who I loved as a player. Um, n- not as not as vicious as David Speedy, so, okay. so, so never, rarely booked, um, made lovely runs to the near post, um, made runs everywhere, very good header of the ball, um, very skillful. Uh, worked beautifully together with with Kerry, but actually worked very well with jury And I'll go on about this again. I think we'd have finished higher if jury had hadn't been as injured as much as he was. Um, but yeah, uh, um, Wilson was was uh, deserved. It's not no surprise he got twenty goals. He was absolutely excellent.
0: But the interesting thing is, and it's, it's a point I think I'm, i I made when we had our little um, Q and A on. Uh, you know, with the Patreon people at on, on the weekend. You know, Kerry got 25, Kevin Wilson got 20. Nobody else got above 10 goals. And, you know, I I, I point my finger... I mean, obviously, Graham Roberts had got 17 the year before, so we missed out on that.
2: But There were hardly any penalties, though, were there, Chief? That's,
0: yeah. Well, like now you're in the first division, you see. You don't get them unless you're Man United or Liverpool. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh I, I think you, you can point the finger at the midfield, and that was something that we were saying earlier on, you know, Dickens, you know, the jury's out possibly. I love this comment from I think it was uh, Rick Glanville in his in his wonderful uh, Complete History of Chelsea, talks about Nicholas as a traffic cop to whom no one was listening. <laughs> which I just thought was a brilliant description of him. But the midfield kind of lacked lacked any real kind of creativity or but cutting there was edge. None, I think. He
2: didn't he didn't go for creativity, no, Exactly.
0: Yeah. which is great if you've got two goal scorers up front who are banging them in left right and center but yeah. i i wonder if the if the real achilles heel this season we we're in a really really solid at the back we got you know two two out of three good strikers scoring a lot of goals midfield combative which is kind of what you want i think in a in a physical period of the game but not very creative but uh, you know there were uh, there, there were basically still hugely classic chelsea moments in this season which kind of i think revealed an underlying frailty a bit. You know, our proclivity to lose matches we should win, whilst at the same time winning matches that we're not expected to win, which is a which is a constant theme throughout a hundred and whatever it is years of history. Maybe that was it. I mean the question really that I, I, I asked both of you, that notwithstanding, is, you know, do you think we were capable of winning the league this season or 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 were those frailties And the things that we've just alluded to always going to stop us from doing so, Kel?
3: We were never going to win the league that season. We didn't have a good enough team. Uh, We actually didn't have a good enough manager. Um, And that's not to criticise Bobby Campbell. He was very competent, but there was nothing special there. Um, We couldn't win the league. We couldn't win the league. We were miles behind the team that did win it. Um, And I think 19 points in, in the end. Um, no, we were I, I think we punched above our weight that season and I think fifth was a really, really impressive um, finish. Uh, you know, if you I, I don't think you can compare this Chelsea team to the team that finished sixth twice in in the mid 80s, Um, I don't think this team was a patch on on the mid-80s team, but still managed to finish fifth in the league. So I think they really did punch above their weight.
0: I mean, it's interesting, Kelv, you know, you're right. Liverpool uh, were were finished top on on 79 points, so they're 19 points ahead. Villa were second, uh, managed by Graham Taylor, would you believe, uh, on 70. So they were 10 points ahead of us. But Tottenham were third on 63, Arsenal were fourth on 62 and Chelsea were fifth on 60. So you know, we, we were there or thereabouts for the third, fourth, fifth, you know, so we weren't that far off, really. I mean, we were miles off, off winning it, but we were, we were definitely in the, in the, you know, the, the, shout, the make-up for the, the rest of the league, if you see what I mean, the, the top of the rest of the league. Jonathan well, yeah, just, just, sorry, go on, go as on, Kelvin. You, as you
2: said, Kelvin, I don't think we had, the players were good enough. I think no. there was some, uh, and I think, you know, if you, once again, I'll go on about, it. if you compare McAllister with Nevin, if he, They carried on with Nevin. I think he, bought, he sold Nevin because he wanted a million quid, didn't he, uh, Bates? Somewhere yeah. along the line to pay for stuff. But, but um, the fact that McAllister played occasionally and was OK. You know, he, was a, he wasn't, you know, he, he, as I, I said earlier, he, he, he was a bit like a moth. He sort of buzzed about a bit, was irritating. But yeah. he, and occasionally he scored a decent goal. But the, no comparison with Pat. who no, no. If he'd been playing in this team, uh, I reckon they'd have finished third you know, or, or even second. I really do think it's, it's ridic- ridiculous having um, uh, sub, sub-star players playing in the side, and there were too many of them for me. And I think Roberts contributed to that, and I think they were very aware of that. That's why Jonsson came in. I wasn't convinced by Jonsson as well as being one of the great centre-halves. I think he did a job for Chelsea, um, and he shored them up. Uh, and, uh, and I preferred him... The, the, in in later seasons i think he improved um but uh there were too many um if you look at wilson was excellent kerry was up and down but excellent um uh there were too many journeymen in the team for me for to actually make it work
3: absolutely i couldn't agree more
0: well i i you say that i'm gonna you know just be the the contrarian that i always am um you you say that i'm just trying to find here we go um there were a lot of internationals in this Chelsea side. Now, given that we've just come out of a spell, you know, you know, going back to the kind of mid seventies to the arguably the mid eighties when we had some really poor players—Wilk, Wilson, Johnson, Besant, Jury, Clark, Nicholas, Hall—would you believe? We're all current internationals. And you can add in Dorigo with that. And Kerry had been an international. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And there's probably others that I've forgotten. That's a very... Yeah, then, that's Hang on a minute. That's a very different side to the one that we would have seen, you know, even five years before that.
3: But they were playing for poor, weak international teams.
0: Absolutely agree. Well, I tell you what, you can't compare it to today, that's for sure. But you do have a point. I mean, Northern Ireland, Norway, some shit team called England, and Wales. an even more shit team called Scotland, and an even more shit team <laughs> called Wales. So, yeah, I, I do take your point there. I shall, I shall. right, I'm leaving now. You've completely, <laughs> you you completely humiliated recently. me totally and proven me wrong. So, I'm going to fuck <laughs> that off. That wasn't the intention. <laughs> <laughs> right. no, I'll go
2: on about this. I think if Jury had played more, they'd have finished higher. Yeah,
0: I because think that's Jury a good point. was
2: completely outstanding, an outstanding player. Because even when he came at the end of the, it what a shot he had on him
0: yeah.
2: i love i loved watching jury i my my little heart went went oh if he was in the in the lineup he was injured i just used to think oh i remember when he got cl- clobbered by that bloke later on in the season and was then sent off i kept thinking oh, that will be the end of that he will not he won't play for the rest of the season He'll well, be out." not that it mattered that much but i i i for anybody who, who no idea would just look him up on youtube what a direct direct player what shot in either foot Skillful, um, hit the corners of the goals so often. Ah, oh, I'm so fond of him.
0: Well, shame he be- was a cracking player, he was a cracking yeah. player. Shame he became a traitor further down the line. Ooh, um, ooh. anyway, um, <laughs> last question for you two uh, where does this rank uh, in Chelsea's seasons past, JK, for you?
2: Uh, not hugely highly in the end, disappointed, thought we'd do better. That's the best pleased. we've done for like 30, know, twenty years. I know, but uh, it was the inconsistency of it, though, and the and the fact that jury didn't play very much, and that and Kerry was occasionally off off the pace. He scored twenty
0: five um, goals in all competitions.
2: Yeah, but some of them were the Zenith Data Systems Cup.
0: Some of them were against Liverpool.
2: Yes, yeah, true, but it was the last one. It was four one. <laughs>
0: there is no pleasing <laughs> some people, is there, uh, Dear Me, Kelvin, cheer me up before I go and top myself.
3: I am um, probably going to say that. Two things. One, um, I've, I've always been pleasantly surprised by how high we finished that season. I, I, I think that everybody responsible for that season should give themselves a pat on the back for getting that high with that team. Um, but two, yeah, um, that that whole period was, wasn't particularly exciting. Um, the next couple of seasons you're going to do were more of the same, really. Um, I was probably... Watching back on the highlights, i probably surprised myself how much I enjoyed Mm. watching it, really, because I don't think it's one that would ever go down as a real vintage season for me.
0: Well, fair enough. I enjoyed it. Uh, But maybe there's a little bit of rose-tintedness going on for me there, I suspect. And I wasn't really going much then. I'd kind of like... I don't know I'd got into other things a bit so I wasn't going I was going sporadically but not a huge amount and maybe that that doesn't help too although I was living in Lots Road which of course was, was brilliant sure. you do feel it's, there's no
2: excuse then Chief. I
0: know but I mean I just didn't know you know I wasn't I'm not as, I'm not as good a supporter as you two you were young you were in love no yeah. I was drunken out of my tits most of the time because I, <laughs> I was I was I was working in the film industry and earning lots of money and Sowing my wild oats uh, and stuff like that, and uh, I was working
3: in the film industry then and, and earning no money. Uh,
0: well, there you go. You Should have should, you should, swapped <laughs> only with me. You. I know. Should have <laughs> swapped. Well, it's all relative, you know. I, I spent it all. I mean, I, I I tell you a story. I mean, you know, I I never had any money. I would often, I mean, I lived in Lots Road, but I would invariably never pay my rent on time because I'd spent all of my money. And I didn't, I didn't spend it on you know things. It was all consumables, if you if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs>
0: but that that aside, it was uh, uh you know I mean it was the second summer of love, remember? So you know what do you yeah. expect. Um, but uh, I mean, you I'm what one I, of those
2: pot beanie hats and a smiley face on yeah, a T-shirt, <laughs> something like that. I, I,
0: only on a Friday night, Jonathan. I was a weekender, <laughs> mate. You know, but um. Yeah, I mean, living in Chelsea at the time, it was brilliant because you really did feel in the thick of it. You felt part of it, and and I I I I cherished those days. Actually, the kind of four years I lived, I, mean, I was in Lots Road for about four years, I think. And I really, I really, and it was all around this time. But I still hadn't really got the bug. I never, I didn't grow up with that bug. It, it, it's it's hard to explain, you know. I never ever had that, acquired that habit of going regularly until a lot later but i i, I did love uh, when i did go i loved it but it was just for me it was just an extension of getting off my face on a weekend you know <laughs> i'll be honest with you i'm terrible i should be drummed out of i should be banned from doing the chelsea fancast because i'm just not up to scratch like you too well but there you go no
3: not at all not at all you, you still been going for you regularly for what 20 odd years now i've well, known you for most of that time well
0: I? I mean yeah i mean yeah. i mean to cut to bore people stupid they probably all fallen asleep by now but it wasn't until I, I, my, until Doctor Mark married my sister, which would have been mid '90s, that uh, you know he he said, "Oh, I'm a big Chelsea fan. I've been going for years. Why aren't you going?" And I said, "Well, I don't know really. It can't be asked, mate." You know, <laughs> and he said, "And I said, I live in Winchester because by this time, I mean, in '93, I moved back to Winchester. '92 well, actually, I moved back to Winchester. Get it right." and uh and he said well that's no good he said well look if you come to london will you go and i said yeah yeah i'll be up for that it's because i didn't really have anybody to go with i didn't have a whole gang of a mob of mates to go with and and uh basically the minute i moved back to london uh, i started going regularly and that was 2000 so there you go anyway yeah. we digress uh kelvin i'm gonna leave the last word to you you saw us into the 80s uh, you wrote the best book ever written on Chelsea in the eighties, which is celery representing Chelsea in the nineteen eighties, which is still available on Amazon. Go and buy it, people, because you your yes, life will be great. poorer for not thank buying it. Um, it. It's it's still my favourite, uh, you know, book on Chelsea actually, and it's one of the first I bought, funnily enough, Kelv. But I I, I absolutely love it.
3: Oh, thank you, you very much. You
0: saw us into the eighties. You're now seeing us out of the eighties. What's the what's the overriding memory for you? of the 80s as a Chelsea supporter?
3: Being able to get into the shirts and having hair, I think. And it was just a happy time. Um, We didn't win anything really worth winning apart from those Division 2 titles, but it was a happy time and it's a lot to do with my age. And I think people of my age love that period um, because I think Chelsea got good at the same time as we got to a certain age where you're supposed to be having fun and it all came together nicely. Um, there was a couple of dodgy seasons, but even the ones at the start of the 80s when we were really, really bad, you, you can't help but look back with a bit of sort of innocent fondness. Um, it was it was just good times, you know. It wasn't about really the quality of the football. It was just about going there, having a sing-song, screaming and shouting, and sometimes having a cry at the end of the day. But you know, you just had a laugh, and yeah, just very, very different experience to now. But I've, for all that we've won in um, in recent seasons, I'd, I'd give that all up to have another go at 83, 84, one of those times.
0: I'd give it all up to be you know early twenties again. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, too right. <laughs>
0: Jk, what's your over overriding memory of the eighties really?
3: Um,
2: a struggle. In, in in every area, my life and watching Chelsea. So uh, uh, you have these these little highs and these 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 terrible lows. When you were and, the height of uh,
0: your fame, as you know, doing Mister Um
2: no, that was... Um, yeah, it's true, actually. That was, yes, I will be remembered for that. It'll, so when I'm when I, when I I am no longer on this, uh, strutting this stuff... When, I'm, on when this, I'm
0: reading your eulogy. Uh,
2: yeah, Jack, my, yeah, my, my obit. I remember
0: be, Jonathan Kidd.
2: It'll be no, known Some for Some people Pitkins. think
0: he was famous for Pitkins, but it, actually it, it, it was because he was on the Chelsea fancast. Yes, yeah, exactly. You'll
2: have to say, well, I'll hire you to do my obit.
0: <laughs> I should, now I'll read it in the style of Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> <laughs> This show has um, gone insane tonight. Anyway, go on, Jonathan. Sorry, mate.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It seemed to, because I've got this terrible desire for for success, terrible desire for trophies, terrible desire to go to the game and see the ball in the net, um, uh, which sort of seems to take precedence over everything else, which uh, is they're looking at it thinking, no, 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 let's look at the structure of what's going on. In the end, I just like the ball in the net. And I like us winning. Um and so to actually have it in in, in 2000, were the end of the nineties as well, having us play fantastic football and the ball be in the net was was uh, quite phenomenal and echoed my, my love of the team in the sixties and the seventies because they played terrific football and won. And I think the, uh, um, and won trophies. I think the dilemma is, is this, this constantly having to watch a team that didn't achieve anything. Um, and so I found uh, there's always these false hopes, very difficult to deal with. And yet, being a true supporter, I went as often as I could. And yet I didn't go for the singing. I didn't go for the companionship. I just went for the football entirely just to see my team win.
0: No wonder you were so miserable.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: now I understand have, it.
2: I didn't have anybody else to, to rely you had no no, distractions I'm on. I'm, I'm being unfair on Jonathan Perry's, who was a lovely, <laughs> love, lovely true. guy to watch football with in the Eastern End Upper and his dad and his sister who were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no,
0: they are absolutely fantastic, um, but,
2: uh, but no, I, so I, I, I can't, I don't have, a, I don't have a view of the eighties and nineties, as you say, Kelvin, they, it was rubbish at the very beginning. I loved the season when we came up, um, uh, particularly, talk, I think we talked about it. Was it the, the, the palace game was when, when, um, Yeah, Pat scored was just fantastic. But it it you always think it's going to get better and better. I found the whole process of selling off best players, having a different manager who comes in with a different view to get them out. Who's and I like I like a bit of style. That's why I like Hazard. That's why I like Dury. That's why I like Kerry. That's why I like Nevin. I like that. I don't want the team to be, um, uh, you know, a solid bunch of cloggers. I want. I want talent to be playing and I want that to be expressed.
0: Well, and you... we didn't
2: get we didn't and it kept being pulled away from us in the eighties and that's what I, I yeah, annoyed.
0: That's a very good point. I mean might might look, you know, I, I'm not gonna begrudge the eighties at all because it's when I really first fell in love with Chelsea, I suppose. I mean I might not have been going very often, but that's where it all started for me. And it was started for me, really, you know, because I moved to London and because of players like Kerry who I adored then and I do now and Pat Nevin who I, I couldn't believe I was seeing a football player on the pitch who who liked the kind of music that I did so it was very it wasn't it was more I mean I was you know a bit we moan about them today like the player fanboys I was more of a player fanboy really but you know a lot of those players I absolutely adored uh and and that's what started the ball rolling for me you know and I mean I even though I mean I was crap at going then I was even more crap in the 90s because I got married and uh, you know, that distracts you somewhat. But I, I, I was I was more into it in the 90s, in a way, than I was in the 80s, even, even though I was going less. And then, as you know, I came back and the rest is history. But it was a wonderful decade, classically Chelsea, classically glorious unpredictability, but some wonderful memories. And I thank in particular Kelvin for bringing a lot of them to life, not just tonight, but for the other three episodes that he's been on in the Series we've done on the eighties, and of course for his fantastic book, which I shall tell you to go and buy again. Salary representing Chelsea in the eighties by Kelvin Barker, and you can get it on Amazon. Kelvin, thank you so much, and also for a very long shift tonight. Sorry, it's a bit of a late one.
3: No, no problem at all. No, thanks. It's been it's been great. I've really enjoyed talking about those seasons, and I'm redundant once the nineties come. But (laughs) but you said you
0: you were all right towards the back end of it, so I might I might I might put you up for um, squad rotation towards the end of the nineties.
3: Not a problem. Just Love let it. me know and I'll I be will. There.
0: Cheers, fella. You've been brilliant. Jonathan, Hello, as Kelvin. always.
2: Fantastic, Kelvin. Yes. A deep Thanks, round Jonathan. of applause Cheers.
0: for Kelvin in the 80s. Um, This the name of a, should be the name of a band, that. Kelvin in the 80s. We'll have to have a band. Anyway, let's do it. Let's Get do it. Clara. Absolutely. Uh, JK, as always, you've been sublime. Uh, really enjoyed your pithy comments tonight, as I do uh, every week. Uh, and we will be back next week for 91 to 92. No, ninety to ninety-one. Get, my, 91. get my, yeah, get it right. Ninety to ninety-one. Can't wait. Cheers, people. It's the ninetieth minute